Hello, everybody. Welcome to PodSkiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. So as you can tell by the title of the show you're about to listen to, this is a little bit different from our regularly scheduled programming. As many of you listening are aware, we opened a Patreon page at the start of the 2023 CFL season. The reception over the course of the last six months has been great, and we thank everyone who has already joined us over there. One of the things we tried our hand at was doing a watch-along of old games, and for the first one, we chose one of the greatest games in Hamilton Tiger Cats history, and one of the games that is kind of a seminal moment for both Mike and myself, and that, of course, would be the 1998 East Final. That game took place 25 years ago this week on November 15th, 1998, and because of that special anniversary, we have decided to let everyone listen to the episode as a sort of free preview of what you can expect if you join us over on Patreon. We recorded this episode back in July during the Tiger Cats' first bye week of the 2023 season, so if some of the references that we make seem a little dated, that's why. We plan on doing a couple more of these over the course of the offseason to fill everybody's Tiger Cats-shaped void during those long winter months. So if you like what you hear today and had some fun with us going back in time, you know where to get more of it in the coming months. We will link to the video that we used to watch the game both on Twitter and on our Podbean page so you too can watch along with us as we transport back in time to the fall of 1998 at Iverwind Stadium in Hamilton, Ontario for the 1998 East Final between our Tiger Cats and the Montreal Alouettes. So that is enough of an introduction from me. Enjoy the game, everybody, and eat them raw. Around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes, see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up. Welcome to the first ever Podski Wee Wee Watch Along. I am Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, you ready to watch some old football today? Uh, I'm ready to do this. This is going to be a fun watch. Uh, a good about three hours of watching some entertaining football. Indeed. So what we're gathered here today to do is we're going to do an old fashioned watch along. As I said off the top there, we're going to sit down and watch a Tiger Cats game from the days of yore in its entirety and basically provide you all with some alternate commentary and pretty much just hang out with you for a couple of hours and talk football like we would if Mike and I were this age. We are now sitting down watching a game together. 
Why don't you tell everyone, though, what game we're going to be watching today, Mike? Because it might be one of the most famous ones in Ticats history. Most definitely. One of the famous ones in our lifetimes, that's for sure. Uh, the 1998 Eastern Final, live from good old Iverwind Stadium against the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, so this is a seminal moment in a lot of our Ticats fandom. A lot of the people listening to this, a lot of fans who enjoy our show are of the same age as Mike and I. So we know you guys, this is a game that means a lot to you. So we figured what better way to kick off this, this watch along here than to do this iconic game. And the beauty of it is the reason we're sitting here and being able to do it is that someone has graciously uploaded the game in its entirety onto YouTube. So you can get the link. We're going to provide that link in the description below the, the audio here. So grab that link, pull it up, Get it going, set it at all zeros, and we're going to start at the same time. So we're going to sit here, talk all things 1998 today. It's going to be a trip down memory lane for all of us, both Mike and I, as we talk about this. You guys, as you listen, you ready to have a good time today, Mike? Yes, I'm ready to watch uh, a Tiger Hat game that I actually enjoy. Yes, very much. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been able to watch a win. It sucks that we have to go back a quarter century to do so, but here we are anyway. So hopefully you, everyone listening has had a chance to pull up the YouTube link that we've provided. You have the game pulled up. You got it all on zeros ready to go. This game has been uploaded in full without commercials, but it does have a full pregame show, halftime show, and a little bit of a postgame show. We are going to watch all of it together today. So I am going to count down from three. And when I say play, everyone presses play. Mike, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's get this thing rolling. All right. Three. Two, one, play. And the Grey Cup, just what a what an iconic trophy. And like what like there's Mark Washington there. Pretty crazy to think where he is nowadays. Just uh, man, man, oh man, just feels there's Dave, hand, it's just, Tracy. It hand. just feels nostalgic. It, it does. It does in the. You know they're they're going back into the past with its introduction. It, it's it's really good stuff, man. Like I know that CBC got a lot of heat back in the day, but they did the intros well. Yeah, like that's something that I was going to ask you about was how did you feel about the CBC's presentation? Because in modern days, it it seems to get a lot of flack for maybe being less than. But I'm watching this, and they're they're doing a really good job of kind of hyping me up for this game, and then hyping me up for the game that was to follow, which was the Battle of Alberta. For a shot at the Grey Cup out west, they're they're attaching the the past to the future and the present. I it's just good stuff for me. It is very good stuff, and I was so young that I didn't really, you know, pay attention to the quality of the. I just wanted to watch the game, right? But yeah, looking at it now, looking back, I mean, this is 25 years ago. It's pretty darn good. It re- it really is, and there's the iconic CBC Sports intro, which just feels. I feel like I'm being transported back into time. Yep. I feel like I'm in my basement in 1998 eating meatballs with my father and mother watching some good old CFL football. Yeah. So where were you for this game, Mike? Were you in attendance like I was? I was there. I was there right underneath the press box. You know, not right in midfield, probably around the 40 or 30 yard line. Um, Yeah, I can't remember the exact section or anything like that, but I do remember I was right underneath that press box. I was fifth row box E. I will remember that for there's Mike Pringle. Look at like one of the greatest ever do it. One of the greatest ever do it. No question. 
it's funny. We look back at these guys and, and I think I've mentioned this on, on more modern shows that we've done kind of not appreciating Chris Armstrong. There's a guy I don't, re- I didn't remember. Geez. Great. Hell of a return, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, pre- and pretty darn good receiver as well. But yeah, definitely made his name in the, re- Oh, there's Joe Montford, the, the goat, as far as I'm concerned when it comes to defense this season and then 26 and a half the next season. Unbelievable. That three yeah. year span. Of- okay. Hold on. Hold on. We got, we got to listen to this music. Yeah, yeah, we got it. For the fifth time this season, it's the Montreal Alouettes and the Hamilton Ticats, but this time the winner at Ivor Wynn Stadium goes to the Grey Cup. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Armitage. Welcome. Steve Armitage. Man, this is just, it's, it's bringing back all the memories, is it not? It really is, and you look at the the crowd. It's 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 they're coming in uh, to Iverwind Stadium right now. It's not full yet, but it will be close to full. I think there was, you know, it wasn't a sold out stadium that day, but I think it was around twenty six, twenty seven thousand, I believe. Yeah, so really- I, I think you're right about that. It's it's funny too because I imagine there was about tw- yeah twenty five, twenty seven thousand, twenty eight thousand people there. But I bet you after this game ends, everyone's talk. Everyone you knew was at that game. You know what I mean? Like I, I know I went to school the next day, and it's everyone. Everyone was that's like, well, hold on, that stadium doesn't hold that many people. How were there seventy thousand people in a thirty thousand yeah. seat stadium? But it sounds like but, it at the end of the game, though, right? 70, oh 000. boy, does it ever! We'll, and we'll obviously get to that yeah. in a yeah. few hours here. Man, just Tracy Ham could really sling it, couldn't he? He could, and I think he's a little bit underrated for that sense, like because he was such a good runner as well. Yeah. So. Um, you know, you had guys like Doug Flutie and Matt Donegan who were slinging around, but Tracy Ham was right up there with, you know, one of the best in the league at the time. Is this the golden age for CFL quarterbacks for you? The, the, the late nineties, the mid to late nineties, Flutie, Garcia, McManus, Donegan was obviously gone by now, but Tracy Ham, Anthony Calvillo hasn't really established himself yet. He's in his first year in Montreal, as we all know, after leaving Hamilton, but is this, is this kind of, or is it? Do you think it's a golden era, or is this just our rose-colored glasses for the the era that we grew up with? I, I think it was a golden era because you look at the statistics for quarterbacks back then, and they were just you know throwing over five thousand yards on the regular, the the really good ones, and it just seemed like there was more offensive production. And I think that does have something to do with the, the quarterback play back then. You know, you mentioned some of those names and. Oh, there's David Archer, a guy I forgot about. A guy who once threw for 6,000 yards in the CFL. David Archer with the Sacramento Gold Miners. Yeah, he's with the Edmonton uh, Edmonton team at this point. But, yeah, he he had some good years in the CFL. Yeah, I forgot he played for Edmonton, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I remember him playing for Sacramento. He played for the San Antonio Texans, too, because Sacramento moved to San Antonio, I'm fairly certain of. Uh, Yeah. Oh, there's Damon Allen throwing a deep pass there. Like, this just feels like football. Like, I, I as much as I there's love the modern guy, product. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you there, but there's another guy, Damon Allen. There's another QB. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as much as I love the the modern product and, and all the <laughs> advancements that have come in the game, there's just something about watching games from, from back when I was. Like, because at this time I was 16 years old. Uh, I was in grade 11. And it's just, you're in that era of where like you're you kind of I, I don't know do you 
would you say that this is this is like you're obviously you're a little bit younger than me so it maybe it's the same for you too but like you're you're kind of you're coming of age this is where sort of you're because all the things that i love to this day kind of stretched yeah. from the, started started in kind of this era cfl like wrestling which we'll get into as well there oh mark lee and glenn Suter. Glenn Suter had been doing this a long time, ruining games for us for a long time. I actually think he was pretty good when he first started. What about yeah. Mark Lee to you? What did you think of him as a play-by-play guy? I thought he was good. I mean, I, I like his voice. It, it has that announcer kind of feel to it. And I love the call at the end of the game that he had. It, there was just genuine excitement in his voice. I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, I was always, again, much like the CBC product as a whole, I feel like People have diminished the the gifts. Maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Like diminished his his capabilities as a play by play guy. Maybe it's because people look at this time as less than for the CFL in terms of like financial success and all that other sorts of stuff. But we just talked about like the on field product being maybe the best it ever was, and I, I just think he gets a bad rap. I always enjoyed his commentary. It, there's just something about his voice that screams Canadian football league to me and having him on the call with Suter here is, uh, I mean, if it, him and Walby would might've been the best, like Mark Lee and, and Chris Walby, that is might've been the best idea of what, uh, what you could get from a CBC commentating duo. But I think Walby and, and Chris Cuthbert, I believe are doing the, the West final. And I think they come up a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, I just, I just think he gets a bad rap. I think that a lot of the CBC because of like, like if we remember back to those days, not every game was telecast. We mm-hmm. weren't getting uh, like you see games here or there. You still have to listen to the radio or go down to the stadium to watch the game. So I think that also plays a role in it. You know, the blackouts and all that other sorts of stuff. Oh, there's Darren Flutie with just a gorgeous touchdown catch there. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that we look back at the the negatives and I think we do that a lot with CFL stuff in general. We just kind of look back on the negatives of everything and, uh, yeah, and instead of instead of appreciating what we actually were able to get at the time. I agree. I mean, I, I loved every chance. I remember when I would go to Manitoulin Island uh, in the summer. And that, that was basically like going back in time to like the 1950s. Um, you know, we didn't have cable out there because you couldn't get it where we were. It was a smaller community on Manitoulin Island. Um, but we would... We would go to my cousin's place because he had a couple channels. I think he had TSN on the big city of Gore Bay in Manitoulin Island. <laughs> um, probably at, uh, you know, a thousand people lived there. And we'd go there and we'd watch, uh, we watched Friday Night Football, I remember. So, you know, you didn't get to watch every single game. And, and maybe the only featured, like, the, you know, the high-end games, um, but maybe not because they probably made the schedule before the season. But it just seemed like you couldn't get it every week. So you, when you did, it was very exciting. Yeah, and it, it it's a bummer that now some of these games, unfortunately, have been lost to time. I think most famously the Matt Dunnigan 713-yard game was was not broadcast, so no one has a recording of it, and that kind of sucks. Like, But you got to remember back in the day, people didn't – it was around this time when people really started caring about kind of collecting this sort of stuff. But before then, it was kind of you watch it and you move on to something else as soon as it was over, was it not? Yeah, exactly. And if you missed it, you missed it. If you didn't record it on the VCR, then you didn't get to see it, right? So, 
Oh, man, and then seeing Pinball, he looks so young here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if you look at a picture of him now, he doesn't he look much looks older. Not. Yeah, yeah. And Danny Barrett, another I was good say, is that, that is Danny Barrett. What was he? Was he He was with BC at the time, was he not? Yeah, that's a good, good question. He must have still been you know playing. Just I'm not gonna, I'm going to look up Danny Barrett. Because he must have been near the end of his career yeah, by okay. then. Uh, Danny Thanks Barrett... For- 19, actually, 1998 was his final season. He was, you know, what? this is weird. He was the quarterback for the Stampeders in 96. Then he was their quarterback's coach in 97. Then he was the quarterback's coach and backup quarterback for the Lions in 98. So I guess they must have dealt with some sort of injuries while he was on staff and uh, and brought him back uh, in. Yeah, because both of those guys, right, Danny Barrett and Mike Bimbo Clemens were both apparently player slash coaches at the same time. Because That's didn't right. Pinball do that? Yeah, I think Pinball did. Did he play or did he retire mid-season? Playing oh, look at this. Coaching. Look at this though. What? How prescient was this? Talking about the kicking game before oh. this one. Like they knew what was up before we did. It's almost like they they saw into the future. Yeah, yeah look at that. Look at those, those numbers, numbers too, too. Ozzy. <laughs> too great. Uh, look at this. He he looked old. See, Pinball looked young. Ozzy looked old. Yeah. Well, it's funny you look back at, uh, like I saw a picture of, this is kind of off topic, but of the Cheers staff the other day, and it, yep. it gave their ages, and I was like, what? Like, Coach was like 50-something when yeah. he was. <laughs> no, we thought he was ancient when we watched that show. What's that? Yeah, we thought he was ancient when we watched that show. I know, like, I know. It's crazy. Do you remember anything about this sideline reporter? Because i got to be honest with you, I do not. On a blank, don't know her yeah. name. I don't recognize her. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But I mean, she was on the kicking game early, so that's uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty apropos of where this game is up going. Looks like some Alouettes fans traveled to the game to take oh. this one in. They're gonna end. Oh man, the, did you? I had one of those inflatable helmets. Did you? I didn't. No. You didn't? Oh man, I wish oh. I still had one. To be honest with you, it that just. Be- I mean. Things like that don't don't last. Things that you have to oh, expand yeah. there don't last, unfortunately. But uh, um, I did I did have one of those. And they should some of the stuff like I I under, again I understand we've we've progressed, we've moved forward, everything's better. But some of the stuff that we had back in the day, like those things would be just I, I would wear that to a game today, and I'm 41 years old. Absolutely, there some of the vintage merchandise is is spot on, spot yeah, on for sure. They're talking about the West Final now. Did you know that this game in 1998 was the seventh meeting in the West Final in the 1990s between Calgary and Edmonton? They met 90, 91, 92, 93, 95, 96, and 98. That is incredible. Yeah, I mean, you think about the Edmonton team back in the day going to 30 straight years of playoff games and, you know, Calgary being strong in the 90s too. I didn't know that fact, but... But thinking back on the 90s and how good those teams were, it doesn't surprise me. Well, the Edmonton won the Cup in 90. Calgary got there in 91. Calgary won in 92. Edmonton won in 93. Calgary got there in 95. Edmonton got there in 96. And then Calgary wins in 98. And then fast forward a year, I don't think they played in the 99 West Final, but Calgary gets to the Grey Cup that year too. Pretty good time to be a football fan in Alberta, was it not? Yeah, no kidding. It's uh, definitely changed uh, in present day, especially in Edmonton. But even Calgary um, has seen better days. 
Who's that? Who's that? Is that Pee Wee Smith? Oh, I, I like think him. it was. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. If you're watching along with us, you can tell we're watching on a. Uh, it's clearly someone's VHS copy of this game, but thankfully they were able to upload it for us. But you, back in the day, we used to watch these games in in big living rooms and and uh, or there's there's Doug Flutie sneaking her in for the for the touch. It's, I believe they win this game by one point. I think that wins the game on that. Yeah, I believe you're right. And it, it, there goes the shoe flying. There goes the shoe. Yeah, 23-22 final for the Stampeders. But as I was saying, like you, we would watch, we would sit and watch like 19-inch televisions, mm-hmm. and uh, and sit in in giant rooms and all be able to see. And now I'm sitting here recording this. My computer monitor is 27 inches big. Like <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think uh, to to think of 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 what we what where we came from and what what we have today. It's just uh, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, we were kind of, I mean, we were like the last generation um, before all the internet and all the technology oh, for sure. really took a giant leap, right? I mean, we're watching on uh, standard definition televisions and they're like massive TVs with huge backs to them. So that yeah. weighed 800 pounds. Yes. They were couldn't yes. move them. Yeah, if you're buying like a big screen TV back then, oh, my God, it was massive. I got to say the hat game today is better than it was back in the day. This hat that Alonzo Johnson's wearing is is not stylish in my opinion. No, not very good, not very good. Man, a lot of these games were in Calgary. Like it's, yep. it's a lot of Edmonton in white and Calgary in red. Stampeders were, I mean they up until pretty much the last couple of years the stamps were 15-12. What a classic that was apparently. <laughs> I, I I I that might have been all field goals, quite honestly. Been, yeah. Uh, that would have been the first year the Stamps didn't have Flutie, though. That would have been 96, so that would have been Jeff Garcia that year. Oh, there they mm-hmm. are, Chris Cuthbert, Chris Walby. Now, what do you think of Walby? As a kid, I loved him because he was he reminded me of John Madden. Very enthusiastic, yep. but I kind think... Kind of man. Yeah, but I think a little bit... Uh, like, going back, kind of... I, I don't know if he necessarily provided as much color as I would have liked from mm-hmm. like that i like i prefer the announce like a like a, a Dwayne ford oh look at that duo Jeez. calvin anderson allen pitts my oh. god um but you know what i mean like i think i prefer like a more modern take but for his time i i really enjoyed it it was it was what 16 year old me wanted the enthusiasm the bing bang boom mm-hmm. I, I i like what walby did back in the day yeah i'm with you on that Maybe modern day Walby would kind of annoy me, but mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, I definitely enjoyed his commentary. And I mean, Chris Cuthbert, he's one of the all-time greats, is he not? Yeah, absolutely. He can't can't get much better than him. There's Danny, Danny Mac. Mac. Oh boy, Car Coulter behind him. I think we saw Pigskin there. Here they yeah. are coming out onto the field. Our Pigskin uh, that yeah. we grew up with, obviously. Yeah, yeah for sure. There's no, TC. Uh, yeah. No, wearing no pants like uh, like Donald Duck, letting her all <laughs> hang out there. We're oh, we're back with uh, commentating duo. We got to be getting close to kickoff here. It's uh, mustache, so just smell wonderful. <laughs> I know how the game ends, and yet I'm still sitting here nervous, like I was yeah. back in November of, tw- of, of of 1998. See, look at those numbers there for Tracy Hand. 21 touchdowns. This is the, this is playoff career. 14 games. 21 touchdowns. 13 picks. That would get you benched these days. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. 3,349 yards passing. Oh, that's Danny Mac's playoffs numbers, too. 11 games? Those ain't great numbers, if we're being perfectly honest. Eight touchdowns. 1,400 yards, eight TDs, five picks? Not not good. And Danny McManus was known for throwing picks, but he, he had that quick release, and if guys weren't where they were supposed to be, it just that's how it just ended up going. Now, those are insane numbers. Those are 29 good. touchdowns over two years? Good Lord, we'll never see a running back put up nearly 30 touchdowns over two seasons oh. again. Well, the problem is, Josh, that they, they don't hand the ball. They, I don't... Anyways, they 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 always end up at the one yard line, and then it's just a plop from the QB. Yeah, the QB, right? So, um, yeah. There's Mike Pringle. There's our what, the last seven games, 947 yards in the last seven games. Yeah. Oh, it's a playoff. That's, that's playoff. what about? Yeah, that's a seven play career playoff game. What's that? Uh, do the quick math. About 135 yards per game. Like. We don't see running backs. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, 98 was the year that Pringle rushed for 2,000 yards, was it not? I'm not positive on that, but you're definitely – if it's not 98, you're definitely in the ballpark. Yeah, because it was – he didn't do it when he was with Baltimore. That I know for sure. Yeah, Montreal, yeah. It was definitely in Montreal. I'm going to look up his stats because I'm, I think it was – because I think he won MOP in 98. He was the 1998 CFL Most Outstanding Player, and let's see, 1998 season, Pringle ran for only nine touchdowns, but the story was his 2,065 rushing yards that year, a CFL record by a considerable margin, according to Wikipedia. So yes, it was the 98 season. He won a second Most Outstanding Player award. Second? Hmm. Yeah, he won, he won in 95. Okay. The year Flutie okay. got hurt. Okay. It was the year in, in Flutie's run where he didn't win it. Right. Yes, the uh, Stallions won the Grey Cup that year. Yeah. Yeah. So Pringle won two MOPs. How have we even had two running backs win MOP since then? I know John Cornish did in like 2013. I'm trying to think if there's. I don't think there is one. Did Charles Roberts win MOP? I don't believe Charles Roberts ever won it. I no, Milt Milt won it. Kahari Jones won it. Milt won it. So I, yeah, I don't think I I I think there's been one running back win most outstanding players since. Someone can correct me because like Troy Davis never won it because he was always on a bunch of teams that weren't very good. Uh, we know Danny Mack wins it next year in '99. I don't think another running back won most outstanding player since like Cornish is the, is the last one ten years ago and mm-hmm. and I yeah, don't I think. Don't. I don't think between that, it was all quarterbacks and receivers, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's very rare that a running back wins the, the MOP in the CFL. It's just the game just isn't conducive to the, you know, running the ball a, a lot. Yeah, for sure. sure. A way to, to run the ball with Pringle. I mean, they had they had a great offensive line in front of him, and he was just a, a stallion out there running through people. He was he was he was a joy to watch, really. No, he was an alouette out here. He was a stallion a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was lame. That was lame. Oh, uh, here we go. Mike Morreale. Yeah. I remember Morreale being a bit of a whipping boy for the Hamilton Tiger Cat fan base. Do you remember that? I do. I do. Especially early on in his career. He was a local kid. Uh, he had gone to Toronto. I think he was drafted by the Argos. Won a great cup or two there with them. Is that Cavis Reed? Oh, my Lord. It's Cavis uh, Reed. Um, but I do remember him being a bit of a whipping boy. And then I believe 98 was, yeah, I think he had 1,000 yards that year. I, I, I know he was the top Canadian in the Grey Cup the next year. But I do think that he kind of was 
he got more heat than a guy like, say, Rob Hitchcock used to get for someone. And I don't think either of them underperformed, but I think people expected Morielli to be, oh, my Lord, look at – does anything scream 1990s more than Kelvin Anderson's look right here? No, I don't think so. Look at that. He Jack. looks straight out of like the Deion Sanders playbook, right out of an MC Hammer video. Now, granted, this is almost a decade since that was popular, but holy smokes, did that look ever look 1990s to me? You know, it's funny that we're we're talking about the 90s and the. I went to the Edmonton game against the Argonauts, and it was 90s night uh, at the stadium, so it was very 90s centric. Everything 90s music was playing, and there was some fluorescent jackets in the crowd so it's it very nostalgic now were people dressed like the 90s or was it what they think that because like as weird as it is to sound as weird as, that, as this sounds this game is 25 years old mm-hmm. we're 30 years again i know everyone out there listening knows how math works but we're 30 years from 1993 like think like there's there's kids who mo- a lot of people who would have gone to that game, a, a fair amount of them might not remember the 90s. So they only remember, like, did they watch an episode of Saved by the Bell and dress like that, even though the 90s <laughs> had, like, the 90s diaspora when it came to clothing. It was like you had the fluorescent stuff, but then there was, like, the grunge element, and then the hip-hop element came in with that. It was a very hodgepodge, very, um, like, eccentric decade, if I would say so myself. Right, and I don't really feel, you know how, like, music back then, it was, like, Oh, the hair metal of the 80s. And then, you know, grunge kind of stopped that. And then kind of punk rock with Green Day came in the mainstream in 94. And then you had hip hop, of course, was huge with Death Row Records and Bad Boy and all that stuff. And then there was the um, Limp Biscuit and Corn yeah. stuff that was popular near the, near the end of the 90s and, the, and the, the, the boy bands and all that stuff. I just don't feel like there's that switch. Maybe because I'm not connected to the youth anymore because we're old men but i don't know it just doesn't feel like music works that way anymore no i think i think you're, and music's just different nowadays than it was back then look at the game notes offense for montreal pringle 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 i mean yeah, yeah. that just uh and for the tie cats establish the run like these if we were to show this to someone who's our age at this time today and th- these are the key focuses of the game for a cfl game today they go are you out of your goddamn mind Run the football, run the football. What are you stupid? What would you get off my lawn, Grandpa? Like, <laughs> oh, look at that starter jacket too. Starter jackets, a, a staple of the '90s, no question. Yeah, did you have uh, any starter jackets when you grew up, growing up? I did. I have a. T- I had a tie cat one. Um, and I think I had another one too. It might have been a basketball one. I can't remember, but I know for sure I had a tie cat one. Vancouver Grizzlies was the starter jacket I got in middle school when they became a team. Everyone was jumping on the Raptors bandwagon, and I'm so, like, contrary to, oh, it looks like we're lining up for the opening kickoff here. You ready to get this going? Holy smokes. There it is. Oh, Oh, it must be. A windy one at Ivor win. Yeah. They did mention that there were, if you saw earlier, they they showed the weather, and it said 40-kilometer wind, so... Maybe explains why that Aussie kick was even more spectacular. Here mm-hmm. we go. Game's on. Who receives the opening kickoff here? Oh, almost a collision. That That's Archie? Our, yep. There he goes. Oh, nice I think that was return. Ronald Williams with him, too. You know what? We we always make a big deal today of, uh, like, we made a big deal out of Frankie Williams, and 
and don't get guys, everyone listening, guys, girls listening, we're going to keep the modern talk to a minimum. We are here to tickle that nostalgia bone, but we talk a lot about, um, there's the tie cat starting offensive line. We talk a lot about though, the guys that are, Oh man, so weird. The guys do it both ways. Mm-hmm. Opening kickoff of this game, Ron Williams, Archie Amerson. Now we look at the starting backs and receivers, Ron Williams, Archie Amerson are there. Yep. The double Holy duty. smokes. Under center. Oh. What is this? But in a run. Oh my goodness! You can't go under center. That's oh, that's what are we doing here? Oh my god! Must have changed the rule, Josh. (laughs) Being shotgun, I think they implemented that in the early two (laughs) thousands. All right, let's uh, let's set the scene here for everyone while we're getting this thing going. The date is November fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight. We're obviously in Iverwind Stadium in Hamilton. There are about 27,000 people in attendance. This is the first East final hosted in Hamilton since 1989. And this would be the last one ever played at Iverwind Stadium, which obviously at the time we did not know that. Oh, big, who's that dropped that? Oh, was that Flutie? He took a hit. He took a hit. It wasn't a drop. It was definitely a hit. tight window there. Yeah, two and out to start the game. Not what you want to see from our Thai Cats. But we didn't know at the time this would be the last East final that the Thai the Cats would ever host at Iverwind Stadium. Uh, the next one they would play in at home wouldn't come until 2014 when, ironically enough, they played the Alouettes again in the first year that Tim Hortons Field was open. So pretty crazy to think that we were in attendance for the last ever East final the Ticats would play at home. We, if we would have known that, maybe maybe this game would be even more memorable than it is to this day. Yeah, no kidding. And it's not like... <clears throat> The Ticats fell off a cliff after this year. Obviously, they won the Great Cup next year and were a contender in 2000, but just didn't reach the heights of first place in the East. Yeah, first place in the East is something that's always kind of eluded. Good punt by Ozzy there. Kind of always eluded the, the tabbies, right? Like, they they get to the Cup, obviously, the following season after this. They, they win it all, but they were the two seed. I think they get to the East Final again in, I think it was 2001. I think they lose to Winnipeg, and that game's in Winnipeg. Then I think the next trip to the East Final doesn't happen until 2010. Or no, 2011, when they lose to Winnipeg again. Mm. And then, obviously, they uh, beat the Argos in 2013, but that was in Toronto. And then the 2014 one we mentioned. Here's the uh, – oh, Mike Souls. There's a guy, Jock Climey. Matt, Matt Cody came to the Ticats, didn't he? Or was he – did he go from the Ticats to the Owls or the Owls to the Ticats? I think it was the Ticats of the Owls, but I might be mistaken on that. An so under center up the gut run again. What are these offenses? Do they not know how to play football, Mike? I don't know. Not Canadian style, apparently. But Matt Cody, was a was he a rookie of the year for the Ticats? I want to say he was at one point, but maybe not. I can't remember. If he Well, if he was, then clearly he started with Hamilton. I can't yeah. remember if he was – if he went with the Ticats first – he did play for the Ticats first, so he's actually started his his uh, CFL career with the Ottawa Rough Riders in 1994. Then okay. he parlayed, I guess, a pretty good season in uh, in '94 to a shot with the Indianapolis Colts. Then he comes back to play for Birmingham. He was actually the Ticats' most outstanding player in 1996, his one okay. year here. Then he played for the Alouettes. '98 uh, was his only year in Montreal. Then he goes to the Arizona Cardinals for two years, and then he ends his career in 2002 with the Toronto Argonauts. So. Huh. Bounced the CFL and the NFL quite a bit, eh? Yeah, I did bounce around. I don't remember him being NFL good, and that's not meant to disparage him. But he he bounced oh. around a lot. I guess he just. Hmm. I don't want to. Again, we're we're looking at something from from 25 years ago. 
you, you see a, a resume like that, you kind of wonder, okay, he gets the NFL shot, so there's got to be some talent there. But bouncing from team to team, attitudinal problems maybe? I don't know. Could be. Could be. So it looks, uh, it looks uh, like the Owls are punting into the wind. The Owls go two and out just like the Ticats' first drive. Yeah. Who's that doing? Running into his own? Is that Steinhauer that he ran into? I think it was. Might have been. I mean, the, the starting oh, line. Oh, Bobby Olive was the my, my brother loved Bobby Olive. He just likes saying his name, I think. He liked Bobby Olive, did he? But you look at the, uh, they showed the starting uh, defensive backfield for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, like guys like Steinhauer, Eric Carter. I mean, there was a couple Gerald, of them. Gerald Vaughn. Gerald Vaughn. Just Robbie uh, Hitchcock. All-star cast, man. Those are those are four borderline Hall of Fame to Hall of Fame guys, in my opinion. Like, Steinhauer's mm-hmm. in the Hall of Fame. Everyone listens to this that has listened to our regular show knows that we think Rob Hitchcock should be in the Hall of Fame. Gerald Vaughn was a s- sensational. Eric Carter was sensational. It was yeah. – uh, this was a – this look, obviously, they went 12-5-1, and one and they finished first in the league. Obviously – oh, there's Darren Flutie making a guy miss. Obviously – this was a good football team that should go without saying, but it's top to bottom from every position group here. They, they had all-stars just littered across the field. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the offensive line <clears throat> was stellar. Both lines, the defensive line was, you know, you have Joe Monfort on that line. I mean, that's all you really needed. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. So, I mean, you look back at it and this, this team was darn good. It was, it was, a, it was a deserving gray cup finalist this year and a deserving gray cup champion. Uh, the year following. All right, we're we gonna get our first first down of the game. Nope, big run stuff there by the Alouettes. So nothing happening again. Another two and out for the Tie Cats. Game starting a little bit slow here, Mike. It's not the uh, run and shoot CFL that we remember now, is it? No, and I think that you know this game as a whole wasn't overly entertaining, but it definitely did pick up in the in the last quarter at least. I remember. Well, it. Uh, I'm a it, ends, up. it ends it ends fantastically obviously but we will get to that when we get to that so obviously 98 was a big year for hamilton a lot of changes uh they go 12 5 and 1 on the season fall the year before in 97 they were 2 and 16 it is the largest turnaround in franchise history 10 win turnaround obviously the big change they bring in ron lancaster they bring in danny mcmanus they bring in darren Flutie. brought them all in from edmonton who just two years prior were in the gray cup in hamilton where they lost to the argos do you remember kind of what you felt or how you felt when you saw that those guys because how wait before i ask that how old were you in in at this point in 98 uh 13 13 so you're 12 uh 12 13 years old when they sign obviously in february Mm -hmm. uh do you remember having any feelings of like, oh, this is really going to turn it around? Because like, I still remember how I felt when my dad told me what happened. What about you? Yeah, I was very excited. I, I was a little, even at that age, I was a little bit cautious because I remember a couple of years earlier when Dunnigan came in and he yeah. was to be the guy that was going to save the franchise. And obviously, unfortunately, he went down with uh, his last concussion of his career, which you know ended his career. Um, but yeah, I remember... You know, because Ron Lancaster was an established coach, Danny McManus and Darren Flutie were an established connection. So I was very excited. I remember being very ecstatic about that. Yeah, like Flutie and McManus had won the cup together in BC. Then they moved on to Edmonton together to make another cup. R- Lancaster had won a championship with Edmonton in 93. Obviously, we saw at the start of this this game in the pregame show all of the 
West finals that they would have gotten to with rank Lancaster as their coach. And obviously again with McManus and Flutie there for a couple of years, we, we kind of glossed over when we were talking about other stuff, but what a hell of a pump by Ozzy there, pinning him at the five and another yep. run play. It looked like a botch snap on first down. And then they run a, a run up the gut on like, what was that? Like second and nine. And they, they run it and nearly pick it up, but uh, looks like they were stopped short there, but you would never see a run this day and age on, on that play. Oh. But when you got Mike Pringle back there, the greatest ever do it in my opinion, at least uh, he, and look, he nearly picks up the first down. If he doesn't get tripped there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a definitely a run centric offense from the Montreal Alouettes. Tracy Ham could chuck it. Like we said earlier, but um, nothing wrong with handing the ball off to Pringle. Big old Calvin Tiggle there. He would uh, interrupt Joe Monford's run of most outstanding defensive players. He would win most outstanding defensive player himself a year later in 99. Monford would win two before. I think it was two before and one after. Maybe it was one before and two after. Monford definitely wins it this year in 98. I don't – maybe he didn't win in 97. Maybe it was 98. Oh, fumble. Oh, look who's, look who's on the ball there. Man, what could have been there if that would have gone the wrong way? I gasped like it was live. <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing like i remember some of the key points in this game but i don't remember everything that happens oh. like oh not at all not at all i i honestly i just remember the last drive i mean that's a basically it i was fairly young at the time so um i mean that was such a big moment but yeah i just remember the last drive so this yeah. is pretty cool We're back and watching the whole game yeah i re- well i I remember the last two drives because, well, I don't want to spoil it, but something yeah, happens on the Alouette's final drive that necessitates our drive. You're right. Well, look at that. Just look at the quick release on Danny Mack there. Just sling it into to Darren Flutie. Quick spiral. Just beautiful ball. He really did throw the one of the tightest spirals. I remember I was at a game and I was watching him throw uh, just on the sidelines before, before the game, and you could hear the whistle of the ball as he was throwing it. And this was in like 04, 05 era. And it, it, he still had a, just a cannon for an arm, even at that point. But that, that quick release was something else. All right, here Absolutely. we go. Finally picked up a first down. Where are we going here? Oh, he's taking a deep shot. <gasps> oh, touchdown. Stan, nice toss. Nice catch. Beauty. And the crowd goes nuts. Was that who I thought it was? Is that Darren? True. Darren McNett? Oh, yeah, that's 30. Yeah, yes, sir. Man, I remember when you did recently, he was your first Podski player profile on Podski Wawa, was he not? Correct. And you mentioned his playoff numbers. Oh. And, like, here it is again. Um, hey, Ty Cat's hams on them. Oh, I was, for a second there, I was like, that doesn't make any, like, why are they eating themselves? Like, you know, Ham, Hamilton. Forgetting that uh, Tracy Ham. It's Ham yeah. that they're going after. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, very clever. Now that makes more sense. Um, but yeah, you mentioned his playoff numbers. How did he not get the nickname Mr. November? You know what I mean? Like in baseball, Reggie Jackson's known as Mr. October. Darren Flutie's playoff numbers. When you, when you, uh, read them out, he <laughs> his regular them. season numbers and he's a right, he's a hall of famer based on his regular season numbers. Yep. And yet yeah. you, you, you put his playoff numbers up there and it's like, he was unreal in the playoffs. Like that should have been his nickname. Maybe it was, and I just don't remember. No, I don't think it was, but you're right. <clears throat> he should have been. And I want to compare his playoff numbers to other grades, but it's just tough to find those numbers yeah. um, because I think it would stack up against anyone. I can't I can't name them off the top of my head here, but they were really, really – over 100 yards per game, 
something like 14 touchdowns. Just incredible. Yeah, it was like 14 touchdowns. It was double-digit touchdowns, and it was almost a touchdown a game, if not more mm-hmm. than a touchdown per game. Man, I see this field, and it's AstroTurf. And yep. uh, so I played some high school football, obviously, here in Hamilton, and we would play some games there. And I just remember that it was like getting tackled onto concrete. Uh, the only concussion I ever suffered playing football was at Iverwin. I was on kick coverage, uh, opening kickoff. I took a hit from the side, smacked my head on the ground, saw stars. Uh, didn't come out of the game because in that time we didn't give a damn about head injuries. It was mm-hmm. shake it off, rub some dirt on it, get back out there. But that's the uh, that was the only time I ever really got hurt. I got stepped on my ankle one time and then blocked an extra point on the next play. But that's just me patting myself on the back, obviously. But that the only th- I just remember it being so difficult to play on. And I've been on the uh, current playing surfaces. I've been on the field at uh, TD Place, and obviously I've been on the field a bunch of times at Tim Hortons Field. <clears throat> much much softer landing landing ground. Oh, itch. No, was that itch? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was it. hitch. Nearly had. Nearly had a pick there. Look at the size of these shoulder pads, Mike. Oh, they're incredible, aren't they? Like, they're all, like, you see Hitchcock, and it looks like he's built like friggin' iron, man. And then you got Monford and Tiggle and. Monford looks like he has no oh. neck. Oh, no, no. If he catches that, I think he takes that to the house. Yeah. Because oh, there, there was nothing but green AstroTurf in front of him there. Under center Two again. Back- Two back set under center on second and ten. Oh, oh, we almost got to him. Oh, oh interception. Who is that now? McGriggs. Lamar McGriggs. Ah, there's a forgotten name from the past. Yep. That was the pressure there. I hope they show replay. I'm sure they will. That was definitely pressure there. That uh, nailed Ham as he was throwing the ball that I think caused that. Plus, they're throwing into the wind. Yeah, watch right here. Hits him just as the ball's getting loose. That's that, oh, look at that wobble on that ball. That's a duck. That is a duck right into his hand. Steinhauer was there too. That was a pick. No, uh, two guys in, and two receivers and two defenders in the same spot. That was getting picked no matter what. Great play by the Tie Cats there. They're st- starting to roll, buddy. They're starting to roll. Yeah, who was in on that sack? 92. 92. Was that Willie Whitehead? Hmm. I think ninety. I think ninety-two was Willie Whitehead. You know what? For for the sake of this rest of the show, I'm going to pull up the 1998 Tie Cats roster so that we know. The same here. Oh, there it goes, Ronnie. Big run by Ronnie Williams. All right, here we go. Tie Cats roster from '98. What did you say? '92. Yeah. Yeah, Willie Whitehead was '92. Don't remember much about Willie Whitehead. Me neither. The name rings a bell, but yeah, I can't remember him if he think, played. Yeah, well I think or? that defensive line, and I think of I think of Monford, and I think of Mike Philbrick. Yep. All right, we putting down another drive here. What are we doing? Oh, play action, taking a shot. We got hit on that one. Oh, oh nice. what a catch! Incomplete. Ah, it looked like his feet was in bounds there. Andrew Gray. His feet were in bounds. Let's show a replay Andrew on that Greg, one. Uh, what I remember about him is he owned, and maybe he still does, a bunch of Tim Hortons in the area. Okay. Remember, he used to come into, I used to work at Fortino's, and he would come in there. Oh, that's 100% a catch. What the hell, Rex? Oh, oh here we go. Here's up? a better shot. Oh, that's yeah. a catch! What? What a pile of crap. Nice catch by Greg. Wow. 
25 years later, something's never changed. CFL refs, still not great. He was right there. He was right there. How did he miss that? that is, he had at least one foot in. Who's that? So is that he, Alfred Payton? Yeah. What's he mad about? Oh. Throwing a t- Alfred Payton throwing a temper tantrum? Perish the thought. <laughs> Perish the thought. Look at that they crowd. Big crowd there. I'm sure he's coming off due to some sort of injury or he got blocked and is mad about it. But uh, I, I got to say, even though he was very temperamental, hell of a player. I, I can oh, look yeah. back on it now and say that because now I'm not worried about him burying our quarterback. But what, what? is this? Okay. <laughs> I was like, what are they running here? <laughs> Four in the backfield. Back back. oh. oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Oh, Flutie. He could move, man. Oh, oh. He's- he was down. He, was, he down. was down. He was down. That was a hell of a play. You know what? I think maybe some uh, modern CFL offensive coordinators might want to uh, take a peek at some of this game film, maybe institute some of these things, because that was as well executed a screen pass as I've seen in some time. I agree. And just the way that they started out with four people in the backfield and just, yeah, really well done screen right up the middle. And Flutie, you know, not known for his speed, but he could move, man. And look, making guys miss. Oh, yeah, he's definitely down. Don't like don't like the ball security at the end there, though, Darren. Oh, Under center on once again. Oh, he, uh, yeah, has some room off the side. All right, all right. Four yards. Not too bad, not too bad. Now Nowadays, people we watch this, why are the Ticats wasting a first down on the run? Right. You got a guy like Ron Williams out there. You you run the ball with him. What a, a very mercurial player Ron Williams was. Got cut like halfway through. I think it was the 2001 season because he got into it with uh, with Lancaster. But man, when he was on his game, he was a hell of a player. Yep, definitely a, a a tremendous running back that doesn't really get talked about enough in this era. I don't think. Yeah, I think there are a few players from this team. I mean, it's with you any. Know what? You know, Dynasty, or not dynasty, but any great team, you know, you yeah. focus on the star guys, right? Yeah, well, there's speaking of guys that I don't think get enough credit, there's a guy like there, Archie Amerson, like, really yeah. important cog on this team. But if I was to ask you to name your favorite Archie Amerson memory, there probably wouldn't be one. Oh, there would. There, it was the 99 Oh, you do Grey have one. Cup. Oh, okay, here we go. The 99 Grey Cup, when he caught that pass and he did a little juke and the Calgary Stampeders players smacked together. Okay, and then, yep. Man, it, yeah, that was... Uh, he was one of he was one of my favorites. He was an exciting player to watch. Kind of a not necessarily like a pinball type player, but just a shorter guy that had a lot of speed and made a lot of an exciting plays. Third down gamble going for it on third and inches. I'm I'm, I'm hearing people now take the points, Ronnie. Take the points. Kick the field goal. Like Airman stands right now. Not oh, a QB sneak. And they got it. And he did get it. There you go. You know what else? I, you know, it also stands out to me about uh, this era. Hmm. What's that? Head coaches not wearing headsets. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like Wally. So like if you saw a guy not wearing a headset nowadays, you'd be like, "What is he doing?" Yeah, like, Wally what? Buono didn't uh, throughout right. the end of his his tenure, but he was kind of grandfathered in, right? It's almost like seeing a an NHL player not wearing a, a helmet. Right. Oh, oh Morialli, what a bomb. That's why that's why he's a whipping boy. <laughs> yeah. I do remember him having a little bit of the dropsies back in the day. 
Oh, refs are getting together. What's this about? Got a penalty here? They call him pass interference? Yep. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, David old, old Dave Ewell. Before Andre Prue, before uh, Jake Ireland, everyone hated Dave Ewell. Oh, yeah. I think he was also the referee in the East Final the following year. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I caught it. I don't see pass interference there. Me neither. Not at all. That was a bad call. Yeah, I don't see pass interference there at and all. Mario else should have caught that, too. All right, QB sneak. What do we got here? No. Nope. You're right. Ronnie, Ronnie Williams. Right up the go. gut. It's 13 nothing. about to be 14 nothing. tie cats. Crowd's going nuts. Yep. They're in a fever pitch. This is good stuff. This is why we came to do this today. Nice drive by the tie cats there. And, you know, I got to say, I really like those jerseys with the patches on the shoulders there. It's a really nice look. I was going to ask, what do you make of the the look here in night? Because it's a little bit different than we had seen previously before they moved to these jerseys. I think they moved to them either this year or, or it was 97. I think in 96 when Dunnigan was still here, it was still the uh, the um, Earl Winfield era uniforms with like the white sleeves, which are still my favorite uh, to this day. But you like these, but you like these starter ones with the with the tie cat, the the face logo on the shoulders and uh, yeah. and this look, it's a nice combination because you obviously have the leaping tiger on the helmet, so which you gotta have, you gotta have. But mm-hmm. you know the 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 tiger on the shoulders, just the face is is a nice addition, I think. Yeah, I think it is a good. T- I think there are also some like tiger striping on the sleeves. We don't really see it because the guys have their uh, their sleeves usually tucked up here. But I think that there was a little bit of like tiger printing on the sleeves as well, like stripes there. I, I do. I got to say, I do like the the black jersey gold pant combo. I like the the thick pant stripe. Um, what do you think? Now that we're years now removed from the controversy over changing the logo, what do you make? Oh, oh, bobble oh, bobble I- kickoff here. It's having trouble. Davis, not this isn't gonna end. Get his ass. Right. Pins him deep. Ozzy's having a night on kicking the ball, pinning them deep. Certainly, especially into the wind. He's uh, or with the wind, I should say. He's having a hell of a hell of a day so far kicking the ball. We're still in the first quarter here. Um, oh yeah, but the yeah. Logo. So as I was gonna say, yeah, we're talking about the logo now that we're. We're some time away from because I'm sure you remember when they, they made the change to the more modern, cleaner look. Yes. It did not go over well with a lot of members of the fan base. What about you? Now that we were what nearly 20 years into this new look, you prefer the new one or the old one? I got a plethora of Tiger God hats here displayed in the in the basement, and uh, I got a like a vintage. Tiger Cats hat. And I got to say, I like the original logo a bit better. And I understand why they changed it to make it more modern. But I got to go old school. See, I just think that the old logo looks dated now. Like, I think I think there there was a way to you could have up. You could have updated it and kept it similar without because it was a pretty drastic change. Like, it's still a Leaping Tiger logo. Well, there's Gonzalo Floyd. That's another guy from the defensive line that I. I had forgotten about. Man, they did. That was a pretty darn good defensive line. Now that you think about it. Okay. But yeah, I, I think there would there could have been a way to maybe do it a little bit, like they make the transition a little less jarring than what they did. But I gotta say, like in the, I, I think if you would have if you would see that logo now, 
I think people would think it was, it looks it looks messy and, and and dated if I'm being honest. That's fair. Um, and I've heard it's much harder to get a tattoo of the old logo than it is uh, the new logo. If you're you've, into that type of you've thing. heard that, have you? I have heard that. Big big stuff there on the run. Mike Pringle, first first quarter here, not really doing all that much for a guy that had a big game against the Argos the week before. Obviously, we talked about rushing for 2,000 yards, but Tycat's yeah. doing a really good job of hemming him in here. You got that defensive line and then the linebacking core. It's it's a pretty formidable unit for the Ticats, so hopefully they can continue this throughout the game. Yeah, I don't think this linebacking group from this season, uh, well, McGriggs and, and Tiggle in particular, I don't really remember who the third linebacker was they obviously mentioned at the start of the game and i i'm just drawing a blank here Damn. um i don't know if they get as much love in ty cat's lore as as some of the guys like your ben zambiazzi's and and to to mm-hmm. bring modern day to it your uh your simone lawrence's guys like that you know we had otis floyd jamal johnson markeith knowlton all those guys oh bobby olive takes a spill there near those near those super close tight sidelines which was always Always fun at Ivor Win. how close those players were. It was one of those things that, that the team would always market as like, you're closer to the action than anywhere else in the CFL because some other places had had those tracks, like Edmonton had the track around it. Oh, Danny McMahon's with a bootleg. Oh, nothing nothing <laughs> happened in there, Danny. There, there was no threat of the run when Danny McManus went on a naked oh. boot, was there? No, but I do remember on occasion they'd run that naked boot near the goal line and he'd just trot in, you know, very slowly, but he'd get in because no one was expecting it. No, he probably has more career. I, I would say he probably he probably threw more interceptions in his career than he has career rushing yards. Oh, yeah, <laughs> by a wide margin, I would suspect. All right, second and ten. What do we got here? This is... Even though we know how the game ends, like th- this here, this drive went well. This could have been like throat step in time. No, yeah, doesn't look like they're gonna pick up the first down there. Field goal out of this. Yeah, I'm trying because knowing what the final score is, I'm trying to piece together how we get there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at the score, going, okay, hold on. And I, again, I'm fairly certain that every single person who's going to listen to this has seen this game before. Maybe uh, not recently, obviously, but. They have most definitely watched this game before. I'm I'm kind of thinking, okay, how do we how do we piece together these final points here? But uh, I guess this is where we get three of them. Unless. Oh, you jinxed it! I jinxed it. Yeah. Oh, I got the rouge. You got the rouge. He missed that by a mile. Because I kind of do remember that Ozzy didn't have a great game kicking field goals in I this think one. You're right. I don't think that's his only miss. I believe you're correct. I think he misses another one. And I think that's why I had that doubt before the last kick. That he was going to, yeah. When we get there. Longest of the day, the wind, all that stuff. And I don't, I don't know, like, I'm not sure if the wind was at his back, and it looks like it might have been. I think, I think, yeah, I think the wind is going towards yeah. the way that they're going right now. Here's the here's the advert for the West final that was going to come up afterwards. Not sure I watched a ton of that game. Uh, I don't think I did because um, it was for me it was like a two and a half hour three hour drive back home. So we probably missed all of that. That that would make sense. So mentioned at the top there. Oh, nice tip by. Uh, oh, uh-huh. that's Orlando making his name in this game today. Some emotion. 
<laughs> it's November 15th, 1998. Do you know what else happened on November 15th, 1998? No. Give it to me. It is the infamous Deadly Games WWF Survivor Series tournament. That night. Oh. Same day. Interesting. So See, for any of our wrestling fans out there, that is the night that The Rock wins his first World Wrestling Federation Championship. They had this massive tournament, considered one of the best pay-per-views that, uh, oh, there's a completed pass by Tracy Ham. I think that that was, they just showed that he had not had a yard passing so far. Wow. So his first completion comes this late into the... Uh, and it wasn't easy either because uh, nope. I think it was Montford that gave him a hit there. I think it was, but Jock Climby comes down there with a nice catch. Uh, but yeah, so 1998, the Survivor Series that night, it was one considered one of the best shows. So for me, I would have left this game in jubilation, gone home, and then headed over to my buddy Pat's house and watched that pay per view that night. Pretty pretty good night for the old for the old Joshter there. It was uh that was a fun fun show, C- kind of crazy, you know. If you ever see, obviously most people have seen it, Back to the Future. And they talk about like certain dates in time. Apparently, November fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, was a very important date in my life. Yeah, no kidding. Now, now you went to your friend's house. Did he order the pay per views, or did he have like <laughs> black box? Well, I guess since it's uh, I, think, I think the statute of limitations has worn out. No, he was stealing cable. He was stealing yes. pay per views. He yeah. had one of those, uh, one of those, yeah, black boxes that uh, could get you the pay per views. Something my parents never. The guy, uh, my friend across the street, his dad had one, so we'd go over there and we'd watch the boxing matches sometimes. That's where I remember mm-hmm. watching uh, Tyson and Holyfield when Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear. Watched uh, Tyson and Lennox Lewis and Holyfield, like the big time heavyweight fights that happened at the time. We'd go over there. I but had my, my parents. My parents never got one. No, mine either. I had a friend that had one, but he wasn't into wrestling, so he never got. Oh, what's the but point? I, I know. I did what was dad. Uh, I don't know. You wanted to see. They had like a million channels and it was like a big thing back then. Um, but yeah, but I do remember watching the Tyson Lennox Lewis, one of the Tyson Lennox Lewis fights there. Back when boxing was kind of like a big deal, right? Yeah, the one, the Tyson Lennox Lewis, I think it was Tyson Lennox Lewis, is it goes 12. That could have been, it could have been Lewis Holyfield. Did Tyson, the first Tyson Lewis fight end in a draw? Or is that, I, or is that Lewis and one of them ended in a draw? And I remember at the end of the, at the end of the fight, they're like kind of hugged up and the bell rings and Lennox Lewis puts his hands up. Cause it's like, everyone thinks he's won the fight. He'll win by decision. And it, it's, it's declared a draw. And I remember everyone going, Oh, this is just to set up a rematch to sell even more pay-per-views. Right. And there was like, you know, a, boxing was pretty shady at times. Oh, you know? Of course it was. Question, like, uh, but, but I did, I still do like, were you ever a big UFC guy? No, I'm not really. Uh, uh, me neither. Like, if I were to, if someone asked me, uh, what would you rather watch, UFC or boxing, I'd still say boxing to this day. Yeah, there's there's no, oh, there's a bomb, oh, missed him by a mile. Uh, um, Yeah, like, there's not that there's any boxers that I particularly enjoy these days. I, again, boxing, wrestling, Canadian football, I go back to this era, and it's just like, you had Tyson, you had Holyfield, you had Lennox Lewis. Just a few years before this, George Foreman makes that comeback. You you have Roy Jones Jr. in his prime. Like, I just remember there being so many great, but because boxing was still a thing. And then that Tyson, Holyfield, Lewis era kind of comes to an end early to mid-2000s with the rise of UFC as well. And I've seen some UFC fights like, 
I, I had a friend that I used to work with who was big into Ronda Rousey. So we would go out and I would, uh, I'd go out with her to like something she, she liked watching her fights. So I'd watch a couple fights with her. And I know I saw some of Brock Lesnar's uh, fights in the UFC, but I just, I don't know, man, I've always been a wrestling guy and like boxing. It didn't, it doesn't feel as barbaric, even though they're punching each other in the face. I just liked, I don't like the idea of watching guys in a cage, just bludgeoning each other on per, like try to hurt each other. Versus yeah. like pretend to hurt each other. I like the theatrics more than I think I like the actual physical combat, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I, the one thing that bothered me about UFC is when they're on the ground and the guy's punching you in the head. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, like I just don't. Sometimes they're not quick enough to get in there and break it up. But I was going for it on three, third and three, three here. And they hand it off. And oh, they don't. hand it off. And there's Montford with the stop. Turnover on downs. 15 nothing tie cats here. We're a couple of minutes into the second quarter. Jeez. Not even close, Mike. Not even like, and wow, that's a gamble. Third and three. Where are they on the field, too? Is the question. I think they were in Hamilton's territory at the time. Still, man. But they might have been in that kind of. Oh, they're definitely in Hamilton's territory. But they might have been in that sort of no man's land right. of not really like if you kick a field goal here with the wind, like, and plus you're down fifteen nothing. Is it really the time to be? to be kicking field goals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yes, it's, yes. It's you're obviously it's still very early in this game. We're barely into the second quarter, but I can see that they were at around Hamilton's 35. That would yep. have, this should have been a makeable field goal. But if you remember watching back to the pregame show, they showed Terry Baker and he was nine of 18 in his career in the playoffs, kicking field goals, which you wouldn't be on the team after a oh. playoff run of, of, of 50% kicking the ball. Like that's just not good enough in, in the modern day CFL. And Oh, there's, is that Don Southern there in the big coat yeah. and the headset? So the, so the coordinators are obviously wearing headsets and calling in plays, but the head coach did an interesting stuff, but yeah, kind of surprised that the Owls wouldn't, wouldn't uh, kick the field goal there in, in third and three. It is very surprising. You know, being this early in a playoff game, you, you get a little bit closer, but good on him for, for trying. But the Hamilton defense is just too strong, I tell you. Yeah, running against that defensive front, not exactly a good idea. And it's again, I know it's early in the game, but Pringle has not had a ton of success running the ball. Oh, there we go. It was. I was right. It is Mike Morielli's, pardon me, first 1,000-yard season in his career. Was this his first year or second year with the Cats? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's a good question. Cause he's did he start with the cats or did he start with the Argos? Because I want to say I want to say he started with the Argos. Hmm. Okay. Then. No, it's the second. It was the second year in Hamilton. Yeah, he was drafted by the Argos. Played okay. for them in nine from ninety five to ninety six. So he won the ninety six cup with them. Then came back home. Played with the cats from ninety seven to two thousand one. Then went back to the Argos for two seasons, oh two and oh three. Then comes back to Hamilton for oh four to oh six, and then obviously retires. Uh, obviously, we all remember if if you're of a certain age, the uh, the Morialli Hitchcock retirement yes. uh, press conference, where I believe it was the 07 training camp, and uh, who would have been the head coach then? Would it have been Charlie Taft? Who actually I think is the offensive coordinator in this one for the Alouettes. Yeah, because he he was uh, coach of the yeah. year with the Alouettes one year, and then he came to Hamilton and kind of didn't go so well. Yeah, he was the Ticats head coach in 07. So I guess they were trying to change over some of the older players. Yep, but I just you remember know, it was, the emotion from Hitchcock and Morial in their press conference. Being a Ticat meant a lot to them. 
Yeah, and Morial never played again. Hitch, obviously, I think he plays a handful of games later that year for Edmonton. The one thing I remember about that is he comes out. Uh, Edmonton played in Hamilton near the end of the year, and they were all running out of the tunnel, and the entire Edmonton team stayed back, and Hitchcock ran out of the field on his own, and everyone in the stadium kind of gave him a standing ovation. Really classy gesture by Edmonton on that. And the fans, the fans didn't want Hitchcock to go. It wasn't like they were angling for him to get off the team. They were fine with him staying, even though clearly if you go back on that, uh, who's, who's got the club on his hand here? <laughs> That's scary. 35. Who's number Gerald 35? Vaughn? The Gerald Vaughn? No, Vaughn was, uh, no, Gerald Vaughn was 30, Gerald Vaughn was 39. 35 is Dan Pronick. Oh, okay. Dan Pronick. He was a Manitoba boy from McGill. He uh, he played in 17 games in '98, starting one. So he's clearly a Canadian guy that uh, that was a special teams player. Yeah, it'll be funny if some guy just played with the club on his whole career, just been like, <laughs> what's his the name? Old Bob, the old so, Bob Orton thing where he played with yeah, the club on, yeah. but never actually had a broken anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big uh, stop there by the defense on first down. Alouettes are trying to run the ball. It's just not working today. They're not giving up on it though. They're just they keep pounding the rock. I mean, you got Mike Pringle. You got to you. Yeah. You, you know he's going to break one or two at least in this game. Although, if I recall, I don't think he has a very big game today. I don't believe so. Maybe they should uh, fake the handoff and roll out with Tracy Ham, give him a bootleg. That might be wise. Oh, okay, something's going on here. What's going on here? Oh, careful right, now. So, well, something happened here. Huh. Doing a gesture. What's pointing at the sidelines yeah what's uh what's the deal with that <laughs> <laughs> you're in the right era yes what's he saying whistle blown in the stands oh i think i remember this did he just send security over to the because yeah, he's there to kick a guy out? out they did now tracy uh, hands all pissed off they're showing the crowd here Interesting stuff. Hmm. Little um, some gamesmanship in the. I mean, look, look, Ticat fans, especially in this era, the Iverwin era, earned a reputation as being a little bit hostile. I get hmm. it. Oh, they're pointing to the stands here. I think have they found the guy already? That's pretty quick. In the front row. Right behind the Owlette's bench, it looks like. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's popping the bird. <laughs> oh, here he goes. He's gonna get kicked out. Yeah, this guy's getting tossed. Oh, man. This woman in the uh, blue is all pissed off. Can't refresh and oh. spit on the security guard here. Oh. Look at the guy behind him in the hat. He's screaming at the bench, probably telling him that. <laughs> this guy's hooting and hollering. Is there any evidence of the whistle? or is he, I guess he's not really fighting it. So He's he's not fighting it. Man, that, there's a guy that would be nice to try to find if he's, you know. Yeah. I hope he's still alive. He doesn't look that old here, but. Oh. I mean, anything can happen in 25 years. That'd be an interesting thing to try to uh, to uncover. Like, where did the whistleblowing guy go? And ha did he ever get to go to another Ticats game again? Was he banned? And he was in the front row. It's not like he was, like, you know, in the cheap seats or anything. Yeah. Because uh, well, even back then, like, those oh, – in comparison to today, obviously, they were they were cheap. But uh, <laughs> back in the day, those those were those were pretty pricey, pricey tickets. So you said that you sat in the uh, – you're on the uh, north side or the south south side south side stands north side yeah. stands was was yeah so I was on there I was there as well 
obviously you're a kid. Your dad clearly bought your ticket. He wasn't making you at 13 years old pay for your own way to go to games, I would imagine. Remember how much your tickets were? I do not. I do not. I got mine for 20 bucks. There you go. 20 bucks and final. Pretty good seats, too. Yeah. Like I said, five rows up in box E. They were – so my – I lived on where I lived. My friend, my best friend lived across the street and his neighbor, they had a son and he had season tickets, but he couldn't go to this game because he had to work. So he, he had two tickets. He offers them to me and my friend. He's like 20 bucks each and you guys can go. And at 16, I did have a job at the time I was working at my grandmother's. Uh, she would, she ran a dry cleaner. She gave me, give, give me a job the summer before in 97. So I had some money, but like 20 bucks at the time felt like, Oh my God, that's a lot of money. But Mm-hmm. Imagine not going to this game because I, looking back on, I didn't want to spend twenty bucks yeah. to go to uh, go to, to go to a uh, you can't you can't get two cases of pop for twenty bucks. That might be the first bad throw Danny's thrown today. Mm-hmm. They just showed his numbers, and I think he had one in completion. Yeah, pretty 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 stellar, pretty stellar career he had. Even though he threw more picks than touchdowns, it's uh, it, it was still a hell of a career. But yeah, for twenty bucks, I got to go to that game. So. The best 20 bucks I maybe ever spent. Yeah. I mean, for the memory, for sure. It's uh, definitely worth it. Man, look at the size difference between Seth Dittman and Danny McManus there. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Well, someone must be down with an injury if we're taking some time here. Not a lot of injuries in this game uh, so far, which is nice. Not a lot of penalties. Um, Who's this? Doug Peterson? No, Doug. Pe- yeah, it is Doug Peterson. Is it not? Is that the guy? I think. There we go. Yep. Six sacks this season, only 17. And so he must have, I guess he had a pretty good year in, in 1998. Not good enough to get you the Grey Cup, though, Doug, but here we are anyway. It's not quite. I like 15. the. I like those Alouette uh, logos. I don't. I don't know. It's maybe it's a nostalgic thing, but the 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 Angry Bird through the A. I like it too. I I kind of like it better than the the one now. I think the one now is uh oh no that knee was down there, Bob. I I, I the new one's fine, and I think it's it's neat looking. But there, I wish we would get away from the the minimalist look. Like let's let's show some some flair with our logos. You know what I mean? Some personality. Yeah, or just like. I don't know. Maybe I could see the argument that maybe they look a little too cartoonish. You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. pissed off bird, but, uh, Oh, this was Bobby Olive's rookie season. Okay. Speaking of pissed off birds, I got kicked in the head by a crow the other day. What? Yeah, man. I was walking to work and, uh, something, I felt something on my head. Wait, wait till after this play. Another third down gamble, another run up the gut with the running back. You get it. Man, all those all those people who complain about the modern game and the QB sneaks, just start going back and watching games from the '90s. Apparently, the QB sneak—I haven't seen—we haven't seen a QB sneak yet. No. The only time we saw the quarterback run was on the botch snap earlier with with Ham. He kind of muffed the snap out of the shotgun yeah. and was forced to run. No QB sneaks at all. Every third and short has been a handoff to the running backs. Yeah, I mean, third and three was a handoff to running back. We saw yes. second and nine that was a handoff to the running back. Yep. All right, so you got kicked in the head by a crow? So I was going to work the other day, and uh, I had my headphones on, and I felt something hit my head. And I was like, what the hell was that? I was looking around. Oh, there's a big hole for apes. Oh, there goes Archie! So I was looking around thinking, okay, something dropped from a tree, or I got shat on by a bird. (laughs) That's what Uh, I would have thought, too. 
see nothing. I come home after work. I get home and, and my girlfriend tells me, yeah, I was going to work today and this crow was like dive bombing me. And I was like, that's what it was. So a crow <laughs> came down and kicked me in the head. And it's been doing it ever since. This crow does not like me whatsoever. It uh, must be, you know, there must be a nest or something he's protecting. But it's scary, man. It's scary. I have been pooped on by a bird. I have never been dive bombed or or oh, kicked right. by a bird. There you go. Oh, nice. Cat. He, so that one, that, okay, granted it's Flutie. Flutie's one of the greatest to ever do it. That did. His feet there look just as inbounds as Andrew Griggs did earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we still scored a touchdown on that Andrew Griggs drive. That still pisses me off. Oh, yeah. I'm retroactively angry 25 years later. <laughs> oh, no. He was. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Flutie was way more inbounds. Okay, Held on to the ball, too, though. Yeah. How many times do we see that play and the guy will lose control of the ball? But holy smoke. Yeah, six minutes right. left. and He's got six catches for 100. Gee, and a touchdown. I don't think they're going to get into the end zone here, but. Uh, well, knowing where the score ends, that would make it fairly difficult for the final score. Unless the final score is different than I recall, a touchdown here would, would make that final score almost impossible. In that's my for, opinion. Unless, we're, unless I'm remembering, I'm, I'm remembering this game wrong. I'm remembering the score wrong, which is entirely possible. Run, run, they'll run on first down. First and goal from the five. You got to throw it here. You got to think he's looking Flutie's way, right? You'd think so. Uh, no, that was a that was a dud there, but that was in between two nothings. Is this game about to be eighteen nothing with five minutes left? It appears that way. Tended for uh, Olive in the end zone. It looked like, or in between Darren Flutie and Bobby Olive. Got the radically Canadian patches still in 1998. Yeah, I know everyone talks about the our balls are bigger, and that was a one year thing. But the radically Canadian one, that was, uh, I think that was a more long lasting ad campaign, and I actually kind of like it looking back on it. Game. So he misses. Uh, he can't miss this one. This is like a 12 yard field goal. No, he's got to put this one through. Yeah. Yep. Money. Okay. So he's one for two. Oh. Do you remember, did you see the back of the end zone there? Shaved off in the corner there? No, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. It was like um, not rounded off. Greatest Grey Cup ever. Countdown fan club. Win. Okay, the greatest Grey Cup ever in 98 had to have been 89, right? Yeah, that's got to be it. I mean, just I went back and watched that a while ago and the, the back and forth of it and the way, you know, obviously it didn't end the way we wanted it to, but it was it was a tremendous game. Did the Grey Cup start at five in '98? No, that's got to be the start of like the not the pregame show, but like the. Yeah, I wonder how long the the pregame stuff was back then. It said it said starting at three thirty, CFL and CBC Grey Cup pre-show. Okay. Um, at six Eastern time, something around yeah, there. Yeah, but did, maybe the game did start at five. Could be. Because that would have been a four o'clock Winnipeg start. I could have seen that. Yeah. I mean, they just announced I was watching. Uh, they had a wrestling pay-per-view in London yesterday, and uh, they announced. Well, didn't announce, but they heavily. Oh, yeah, nothing going there. Nothing happening there, Matt Cody. Uh, they just heavily implied that WrestleMania will soon be in London, and mm -hmm. I get. 
like I don't like staying up until midnight to watch anything <laughs> anymore. It's like, like yeah. that's why I'm so glad we haven't had any really late night CFL games so far this year. Like there's been no like 10:30 b uh, like 7:30 mm-hmm. BC kickoffs, which is 10:30 here in in Ontario. Um, but the idea of a of a show starting a re- like the a WrestleMania show would start at like three in the afternoon and be over by like seven, eight at the latest. It's like oh that's fantastic. And the idea okay. of the Grey Cup starting at five o'clock. I know it's just an hour, but man, I to me I don't I don't want it to be at six o'clock. Like I guess I especially if your team's in it, you know. Like I just want the game to happen and get started and go. I, right. I, I hate the yeah. waiting. The waiting is is brutal, but obviously it's a it's a TS or a TV decision prime time. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's going deep. Oh, we should have had that one probably. Is he saying he caught that? No, he's going for a penalty. I think. Oh, okay, that would make more sense because there's no chance he caught that. No, it came came out right away. Didn't survive contact with the ground. That was a pretty good pass from Tracy. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he never had control of that. Close, but yeah, popped yeah, out. Yeah, definitely close. Definitely worth the shot too. And Tracy Ham did have a cannon on him, didn't he? Yep. And that was a hell of an effort, but no, clearly incomplete. Yep. The uh, although former- I'm sure I'm sure at the time this caused because. What is and isn't a catch is something that we debate seems like every year when it comes to football. And I'm sure the, the standard had changed. I'm sure there's people out there going, well, he had possession while he was in the air and then he hit the ground and it came loose and the ground can't cause a fumble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Old chestnut. Uh-huh. That old doozy. Um, but yeah, Tracy Ham, I think he went to Georgia Southern. Um, had a pretty good career there. Had an offense named after him, actually, the Hambone. Okay, right, that's got to be offside there. That receiver, yeah, there's the flag on yeah. the field. I was gonna say that receiver looked like he was over the line of scrimmage there. Yeah, I remember the yeah. visiting the visiting uh, fans would always be in the corner of the stadium at Tim yeah. Hortons there. Not Tim Hortons Field. Come on, what are you doing? I win, I win. My bad, my bad. Oh, we got a three minute warning. Man, this game's kind of flying by. I mean, this is what happens when you're kicking. Kicking ass, right? Yep. And when you have no commercials, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, the no commercials definitely. Have. It would have been fun though to see what yes. they were advertising during the. Uh, mm-hmm. The CFL on CBC in 1998. I'm sure it's a lot of uh, Simpsons commercials because right. I do remember watching The Simpsons on. Butterfinger on CBC. That was not even close. No, that was a bad throw. No doubt about it. Now starter starter was very prevalent in the nineties, but it kind of fell off a cliff after that, didn't it? Like I don't see starter stuff nearly as much as I used to. They do have a starter jacket, tie catch jacket at the tie catch store now, yeah. but you're right. It kind of it felt like when we aged out of wearing starter stuff, it stopped being cool. Cause like starter kind of gave way to like the Mitchell and Ness. Like people started wearing jerseys more than they did like oversized coats. Yeah, here it is. Good on only nine of eighteen field goals in twelve career playoff games. Oof, that is eight. a so good. that is terrible. Oh, jeez, oh. that one Plan to see the shorter uh, goalposts, eh? Yes, yes. 
18-3 in the second quarter for the Tech Cats. How does this game come down to a last-second field goal? Sorry to – oh, here's a little bit of an advert. Canadian oh. Tire, of course. Right. And, of course, it's hockey-related during a football game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Canada's Canada? best club. Oh, CBC. Oh, that's Rat Pack. Uh, you, okay. you think the Rat Pack was for the name life. of the uh, – For life, Josh, in the corner. For life. Well, it's 1998, buddy. Yeah. We're two years deep, almost three years deep at this point. Uh-huh. For those that don't know, we're talking about the NWO, the New World Order. One of the reasons that wrestling suffered, uh, or not suffered, uh, had the big boom in the in the mid to late 90s. Hulk Hogan goes bad. Good, just a, it was, look, I think everyone says it about their, their era of like their, you know, early teens to the late teen, like their late middle school to, to end of high school era. We really did grow up in the best time, didn't we? I, be, I believe so. I believe so. It's a, everything that happened in the 90s basically has... It was awesome. Yeah. And it, it, <laughs> to this day, it's like what I like, right? Um, football, wrestling, all that good stuff. Yeah. It really did shape that, who I am today. No doubt about it. And 98 was like the biggest boom period for uh, WCW with the NWO. I think that's yeah. the year they their most cash. Yeah, WWF became got got itself back with Steve Austin and Vince McMahon. And obviously it's the golden era of our Thai Cats fandom. Great Cup appearance in 98. Sorry, spoiler. I know, spoiling this game, they do win the game, <laughs> as we said at the top of the show too. Holy smokes, look at that. There, Miles. You know, I think he was a coach at Edmonton. I'd see him a lot of work, and I'd recognize him, but I couldn't put it together who he was. And then finally one day. I I think you're right. I think he did coach at Edmonton for a bit. Um, But rookie season in the CFL in 98. I also think Mark Washington is on this Alouettes team. Okay. Um, So kind of interesting. Baron Miles, now the defensive coordinator in Ottawa. Mark Washington, obviously the defensive coordinator for the Tiger Cats. Uh, interestingly enough that we watch this game with those two guys being on the same, same side of the field, they'll be the defensive coordinators in Hamilton's next game. Once this goes up, uh, they, uh, Hamilton week five of the CFL season plays Ottawa and those, they won't match up against each other because they're both defensive coordinators, but kind of interesting that that all comes together here. All right. right what are we doing here? What do we got? Second and eight. Let's see. Let's see eight, what Danny's uh, got in, in store for us here. Oh, big uh, deflection there. I think that was Alfred Payton. got to think he was looking Darren Flutie's way there though right yeah you'd imagine so he's hot right now over 100 yards already so keep it going I just I still I know I said it before I still can't get over the size of these goddamn shoulder pads they're, they're the way that it's supposed to look Josh <laughs> yeah I, I agree I agree this is what football looks like but the, you know what with Peyton there getting his hand up like that's what you have to do against Danny Mack Danny like yep. have we seen a get- single sack in this game from either team I don't think we have I don't think so. I think the Thai Cats have been really close, but yeah, no, not yet. I don't think we've seen. I think we've seen Danny take maybe a hit or two, but I don't think you'd, I'd necessarily say either of them were close. You know what I mean? Like, no, you can no really end on no that. yards flag there, eh? No. Hmm. I would have thought there would have looked like he was in the uh, in the vicinity there, but I guess not. Yeah, it, it's. Again, maybe one of the reasons that modern 
CFL isn't as good as it could be is the O-line play was seemingly much better back in the day. Cause if you're not, uh, if you're not getting to the quarterback, that gives him chance to go deep and, and not, McManus didn't throw deep a ton because he was about getting the ball out as fast as possible, but he did take his shots. We've, we've seen a couple deep shots in this one. I'm sure there'll be a couple more coming. Yep, I remember many times down the sideline to Flutie, or even Andrew Grigg for that matter. Andrew yep. Grigg was a pretty good player. He's a Canadian too, right? Like you said, he had a... I'm fairly a, certain he was a Canadian. ownership around the... Hamilton. Yeah, he's from Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, what are we... Under center again, second and four, deep drop back. Oh, climb me with the oh, kick. Oh, is that Jocko? Man... You know, I'm looking at Ham's throwing motion, and he goes really deep. Like, he starts from his, like, hip area. Yeah. Coaches nowadays would kill him for that. You know what I mean? Yep. Too much time. That was, like, one of the things with Dane Evans in his last year is I felt like yeah. he, he wound up too much and gave, you know, too much time to throw the ball. Well, they're moving the ball here, though. Yeah, they are. Climby's the main recipient. Might get a little bit closer by halftime, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. Looks like they're gonna at least get a field goal try here. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when Climby was still with uh, CFL and TSN. Uh, Ticat fans were convinced that uh, he hated them yes. because yep. I, I think if this not if this isn't his last year, maybe the year after is. Because um, I don't, I think he only played about a decade, but never made the Grey Cup. I think they actually talk about it in the pregame. Uh, we saw him, they, they were kind of, t- he had like a talking head earlier. I think there was, um, I, th- I think that there was a thing where it was like, he's, he never made the gray cup and kind of blamed the tie cats, especially at the end. Cause he was on some pretty, these Alouettes teams, if you, if you don't know, this is their third straight trip to the East final since now they were the Baltimore stallions previously, and they win the gray cup in 95, get to the gray cup in 94. So then when they moved to Montreal, 96, 97, 98, they make the East final. They lose to Toronto the first two years. They lose to the Ticats this year. They make it again the following year. They host it the next year, their first time hosting the East final, because the Argos, those 96, 97 Argos teams are arguably two of the greatest teams that ever played in this league. Doug Flutie is the quarterback, and they ran roughshod over everybody. Uh, they play in this one and lose. They play in the next one and lose. Then they go again in 2000. They finally win. But I think Climby was out of the league by then. So, yeah. But can you imagine five straight East finals? And if you go back to their Baltimore days, seven consecutive trips. Like, I don't think we, we always talk about like earlier Edmonton's run of like 33 straight or whatever it was playoff appearances, the Stampeders of the past 30 years being as consistently excellent as they have. But from the Baltimore Stallions first season in 94, where they make, because I don't, they came in in '94, right? Like they, they weren't in with the original '93 expansion was just Sacramento, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're correct on that. Again, in '94, and they uh, were in the Great Cup, and then '95 they won the Great Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So '94, '95, and if we continue with the Alouettes of the same lineage, '96, '97, '98, '99, 2000, and then the Calvillo era starts that year, and he goes to eight. Grey Cups, I believe it was, because I think they go in 02, 03, 05, 06, 07. No, 05, 06, 08, 09, 10. And that's when the kind of the run ends. That's a that's a run of dominance, even though they probably only won what in that span? Four Grey Cups counting the Stallions year? 
a 15 year run where you make the the championship game or the conference or you make the conference finals 12 times that's insane yeah it was a crazy run and i re- i remember hating them for it because yes you know hamilton just obviously we had our 98 99 and 2000 where we were contenders but for a long stretch of period of time, the Montreal Alouettes were the the beasts of the East. Big run up the gut here. I think we're hit, we're approaching halftime here, though. Yeah, I think we're pretty close. I think they're oh, going to yep. up here. We got a kneel down coming here. Okay, you know, pretty pretty good half. It started out a little slow, but you know, it had its moments. Yeah, it's not the uh, the high flying '90s that you have come to expect when you, when you hear us kind of talk about that era. But this was, it was definitely a first half that was reminiscent of what you would see. A lot of running the football, Danny Mack with his tight spirals and and quick throws. Eighteen mm-hmm. six lead though, Mike. Knowing where this game ends up, how the hell did we get to a last second field goal needing to win this game? I gotta ask. Yeah, it's it, you know it, it, it seems that we didn't put up. M- many points in the second half here so um you know we're gonna find out because i don't remember exactly how the alouettes you know crawled back into this one but it should be interesting and we got danny barrett and uh pinball back at halftime yeah like i just think of this game and with what we've seen so far you would think that the ticats would dominate this this would be a, a runaway victory but it just seems like like if they score the, the the missed Aussie field goal, so there's two more points on the board. Now we're at 20. They kick a field goal inside the what five yard line. They yep. score a touchdown there. Now it's 24 six at halftime. You know what I mean? Like just little things here that I think I won't say hurt them because ultimately, as we know, they they do win the game. But it definitely feels as if uh, this should have been a more convincing victory than it ended up being. Yeah, it definitely. It shouldn't have came down to the to the last play of the game, but uh, oh yeah, it's BC Lions quarterback Danny Barrett. Yeah. So he's, he hasn't retired yet officially. So you know, what do you, what are your memories of Danny Barrett? I remember him being kind of the middle of the road quarterback during that era. Big arm, pretty, kind of inaccurate. Yeah, pretty good, but not great. Yeah, well, because wasn't he the quarterback in Calgary in '91? when they lost to the Argos in the cup and then they get Flutie. Like he was kind of a journeyman, but he was like a high end journeyman. I think is the way that I would, mm-hmm. I would put it. So we're in 1998 here. This is the first year post Doug Flutie and Doug Flutie in the nineties. I think it's safe to say, would you agree with this, Mike? He owned the league. Absolutely. Like six MOPs in a row or something stupid. Um, you know, not as many great cups as you think he would have won. He won three, but absolutely. When you talked about the CFL, even people who hated the CFL or disliked it knew Flutie and knew that Flutie was a damn good player. Yeah. I just wonder if maybe him leaving was actually as dumb as this sounds for the parody in the league, which everyone strives for. If it was somewhat good for the league, you know what I mean? Cause I'm looking at the 97 standings here. So in the East, you had the Argos finishing 15 and three, the Alouettes finished 13 and five. Then you got the Bombers at 14 and four, and the Ticats at two and 16. You flip over the other side, you got Edmonton at 12 and six, Calgary at 10 and eight, and then the Riders and Lions both finish at eight and 10. And then you fast forward to this season, and things are a little bit more 
congested. You have two really bad teams. Winnipeg finishes 13 and 5, and Saskatchewan finishes 5 and 13. Then you got Calgary, Hamilton, and Montreal, all with 12 wins. The Ticats and the Alouettes actually had a tie that year, so they finished with better records than Calgary. They were 12-5-1, where the Stamps were 12-6. and six. Then you got the Argos, Edmonton, and the Lions, all finishing 9-9. Nine and nine. Definitely a much more congested uh, CFL season. Like, there's not one runaway team. And I wonder if that kind of made for maybe a better season. I don't remember much of the 98 season, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I wonder if that made for a little bit more competitive of a season when there wasn't that one guy that was just running roughshod over everybody. Yeah, it seems that way with the records uh, that you just mentioned. And, um, you know, obviously it was it was tough for the league to lose a star like that. But for, for parity, yeah, I think it might have helped out, you know, just making the games a little bit more interesting. Because if you were going against that Argos team, in 96 and 97 i think both years they were 15 and 3 you were very lucky if you came away with a win against those guys so they were clearly the best team in the league by a by a far margin so it, it might have done wonders for parity there's no doubt about it well i mean you were in tough if you were going against any team that doug flutie was the quarterback of like with the exception of i think his first couple of years like it, when he first shows up in bc like He's not – I think people romanticize that he kind of took the league by storm. You know what I mean? But his but, first year in BC, played half a game. I mean, he did. 91, he's, I think, was he set the record for passing yards in the season? Like, it didn't take him long. It didn't take him yeah. long before he became the man. But yep. his first season in BC, they go 6-11. and 11, But mm-hmm. then you start looking at what, what they do. At, like, and even – so his next year, BC, they go 11-7. and seven. But it's when he gets to Calgary that things just start to get – ridiculous 13 and 5 for the stamps in 92 15 and 3 in 93 uh then we go to 15 and 3 in 94 and then in 95 they're 15 and 3 again and then you go to 96 and oh look at that they're 15 and 3 the argos are in his first year there he goes he wins 15 games every year basically from 19 well not basically from 93 94 95, 96, 97, his teams win 15 games every single year. Now, 95, he misses time with an injury, and that's the one year he doesn't win MOP in that run. But he was basically an automatic victory every time he was on the field. So that's what I think. Again, I don't think the game is necessarily better. The league was necessarily better for losing a star like Flutie. But I do think that it maybe allowed other teams in the league to go, we have a chance. Yeah, and you think about the head coaches that Flutie played under, minus his BC Lions days, which I don't remember who the head coach was there, but he goes to Calgary. Was it, was it Adam Rita? Toronto. I'm not sure. You know what? Uh, you, you realize off the coaches, and I'll, I'll come up. It might have been Adam Rita. There's not many of them, but there's two of the greatest of all time. You got Wally Buono in Calgary, and then he goes to Toronto and has Don Matthews for two seasons. So I'm sure that helped his cause quite a bit as well, uh, you know, adding to the fact that he was one of the greatest players ever, if not the greatest to play in the CFL. Oh my God. I was way off. Adam Rita was not the head coach in BC until 97. <laughs> yeah. That Holy funny. smokes. Oh, I'm trying, now I'm trying to think who the lions coach would have been in 1990 and 1991. This will be a fun trivia question. I'm going to pull it up now. Okay. Well, they had three head coaches in 1990. Uh, one of them I'm aware of. Is Bobo Bilovich. Okay. The other two, one is Jim Young. He was the interim coach for one game. And then I guess this is the guy who started the season as the head coach, Larry 
Kaharich does not ring a bell whatsoever. Mm. And then, oh, Obi was the coach in 91. Okay. So Obi, I mean, that's pretty good, too. Obi won a great cup with the Argonauts, a great coach in this league. So a pretty good stretch of coaches for Doug Flutie, I'd say. Yeah, you go from Obi in 91 to Buono for those years to Don Matthews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can say he was pretty blessed. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know if there's a player who's had better head coaches than that, to be quite frank. Now, this lady they're showing right now, she's been a fixture at Tiger Cup games for a long time, unless there's a, she has a daughter that dresses the exact same way. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I... I got to be honest, I don't recall seeing her in the last couple of years. I hope that that's not a harbinger of doom that I'm bringing out here. Um, but for sure, for what feel like showing her here 25 years ago, I'm sure this is not the first game she ever attended. It most yeah. definitely was not the last. I've definitely seen her at Tim Hortons Field. I just can't recall. That'll be something next time I go to the stadium, I'll have to uh, keep my eyes peeled to see if we can see her if she's still around. Because, yeah, she was a staple of of – Ty Cats crowds throughout the years. And uh, now we're about to get the third quarter started, Mike. We've made it through halftime, spending the entire time talking about Doug Flutie, essentially, which I mean, that's very 1998 of us. If we were yeah. sitting in the stadium at halftime, we probably would have been talking like, man, what would this, what would this game have looked like if Doug Flutie was still in the league? Now, do you remember a guy in the crowd back in the day with that, like a megaphone, like Jimmy Hart? Sure do. Okay. Sure so do. I, I don't, okay. I thought it might've maybe just made that up in my mind, but that guy was a fixture as well. Yeah, I used to I used to look at him and think he was Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I yeah. think this is who we were talking about earlier. Yes, it is, Mr. Charlie Taff. There you Offensive go. Offensive coordinator would later become the head coach of the Alouettes. And uh, would win, I think you're right. I think he won coach of the year once or twice while he was the head coach in Montreal. And then uh, obviously comes to Hamilton. He's since passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I yes. think it was... Three or four years ago, he unfortunately passed away. Uh, did not did not make a mark on his time in, with the Thai Cats, unfortunately. I mean, uh, that was he was here for during some dark days, and I don't necessarily think that there was any blame to be put there. It's uh, it just took a while for for this team to get out of those doldrums that they were in, going from quarterback to quarterback here. First down run, no, might be his best run so far today. One of his best, at least. Yep. And the uh, uh, missing thing that you don't see anymore is the fullbacks blocking for the running backs and that uh, no, almost the quarterbacks so, under shot or under center there. Yeah, and those guys are mostly now just the fullbacks are basically converted tight ends. They're they're guys that are not fast enough to play receiver and not big enough to play on the offensive line. Yep. Yeah, look at like he does a pump. You see the pump there, and then like he pats the ball and then does a wind up. Who is that? Is that Eric Carter? I remember Eric Carter being uh, very um, exuberant and just just a character. You know, I was a huge fan of Eric Carter back in the day. So in the, so my recollection was that he had an interception in this game, and I I looked at the stats before we recorded, and he did not. I was able to find. Um, I guess I had maybe years ago I had watched this game and and kept I had a file of like old Ticat statistics. I don't know where I got it from. I thought he had an interception because so. It, there's a point in this game where he used to do this like X sign with his hands after he'd make a big play. And mm-hmm. in my mind, I can so vividly remember that he makes a big play and he looks directly at me and my buddy and we're throwing up the X at him and he does it back to us. Oh, uh, nice. And nice uh, I went, what a punt there. Whew. This is going to be, 
maybe this is where the game turns. Maybe there's a turnover here or the Ticats have to concede a safety. Cause that's something we haven't seen yet is a team punt from their own end zone and do the yep. old safety concession. But maybe this is cause I'm trying to think of where the turning point in this game comes, you know, mm-hmm. and seeing a punt like this, maybe this is, they go two and out here, or maybe they pick up a few yards and have to, maybe it's a punt out of their end zone or, or something that kind of flips this game on its head. But yeah, I remember Eric Carter looking at us and flashing the X, but I don't recall him having necessarily a big game. Uh, but I just bring it up because he, he was kind of animated after that pass breakup a couple of plays ago. And I wonder if maybe that's when it happened, if he, mm-hmm. he was pumped up and they just cut away from him. But uh, yeah, it just, it's one of those things that vividly stands out in my mind. Cause that was, the, and I remember it because we were sitting so close to the sidelines and I never sat that close before. Like our tickets, especially growing up, like my family didn't have a lot of money. We would, a lot of times we sit in the end zone to be, to be perfectly mm-hmm. blunt. Those were like 10 bucks to get in the end zones. And yes. when I played football as a kid, we got some free tickets every now and then. And then, you know, if we did, if we did get like, we go as a family to a game, maybe we'd sit like a couple sections over, like around the 10 yard line. But here we're, I'm like, we're right in the mix, right in the middle of things. So it's like, I, it definitely had to have been this game. I just can't think of, Oh, there's a big catch by who was that? Was that Archie? Yep, that's Archie. It was took a shot there too. Picked first up the first down. Not bad, not bad. So yeah, I, I just know at some point in this game, unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're going to show it on the bright. I mean, maybe it comes later, and I just don't remember it. But yeah, I just uh, I remember that standing up and being that was like for 16 year old me, it's like he saw us. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, do you prefer sitting low or sitting high at the game? At games. High. I like to sit high. I like to be able to see everything. Yeah, I like to I, be able to uh, sitting. If, if you sit close, like there's fans that like that because you, you feel like you're part of the action. I don't necessarily need it. So currently like where I sit now, I'm in like this, I'm in this, the highest deck on the, um, on the West side of Tim Hortons field. I sit in the 200 section over there. So we're pretty high up. I'd like to be a little closer for soccer, I sit on the opposite side, and we're about 20 rows up from the field, and that's a pretty good vantage point. I don't know if it'd be as good for football as it is for soccer, um, but yeah, I do. I prefer to be higher up. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I like to see everything going on. You know, it's like uh, it's like that all uh, 24 uh, yeah view. So I, I like to be high, but I will say I am kind of low in the game that I bought the Edmonton Hamilton game that I'm going to in a couple weeks here, but you know, not, not too low that I can't see what's going on. So right behind the, the Ticats bench. Oh, that's, that's, those are pretty good seats. Yeah. To me, if you're like, like the lowest, I think I've sat, I got scalper tickets for a Ticats Argos game at the sky dome. Probably. Ooh, oh, right there's right a, there. and there are those close walls that we were talking about. Like, how many guys over the years got pushed into the sidelines and separated a shoulder or got knocked out by running into those brick walls? Because there's some padding there, but it's brick underneath if you've ever yeah. been over to everyone. Oh, did you see the guy with the uh, the gloves and the top hat? He still goes to Ticats games. Yes, yes. I I, I remember him in a hype video a couple of years ago that they uh, did. Yes. Um, that was a nice nice little play there. And, yeah. you know, not to mention the, the camera – uh, I don't know even Rowing know what sidelines. Yeah, that was dangerous as well because the sidelines were so small. Oh, nice punt! Nice olive, baby. I'll be olive. 
Uh, Andy Mack took a hit on that one though. They're gonna they got to show the replay on that because he he took a shot. But it was a nice it was a nice sluggo route there, pump and go. Yeah, watch, boom, yeah. Like, gets it off. Still, look at that. Not a lot of wobble on that pass. Nope. Right on the sidelines, nice go. Oh, he bobbled it, but no, he gets his feet down. That's a Perfect. catch even in the modern day with challenges. Yep. He's chucking right. it deep today a couple times at least. Uh, you know, he gets three feet down. There you go. The run. There you go. Nice, nice call with the run I right saw, after I that. I saw the ref throw a flag there. Uh, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing this is going to be a hold. Not a lot of penalties today either, if you've noticed. No, no I did. You know, and it's. I think it's gotten better over the years. I think there there was a, a stint there, like three or four or five years ago, where it was just like the penalty flags were coming out so much. It was it was really taken away from the game, and I think it, it's not as bad as it was um, in present. Do you think day. that has? Do you think that could be due to they change the rules like every year? And I know some years it's not like massive rule changes, but they change them enough. I think that that teams are maybe learning the rules on the fly at the start of the year. Uh-huh. And there might be something to do with the Americans coming up and learning yeah, okay. so quickly. Um, there's a lot of nuances, right, to this game that are different from the from the American version. Yeah, that's definitely Even later true. in the season, it was like you know, it was just terrible. Like all the flags that were coming out um, a couple of years ago. So I'm glad we don't have that as bad these days. But yeah, you're right. In this game, you know, not many flags at all. And you would think with like two teams that hit really hard, like Hamilton, known for its defense, they got like. Although Joe Monford was a physical player, but wasn't really known for his flags. Of course, there's also you know Rob Hitchcock nowadays would be flagged almost every time he hit somebody, based on how he played in the '90s. But it was it, this was a physical game. These guys are oh, big catch down the middle. Mike Morielli. Second and twenty. I don't know if he got it or not. He might have came pretty darn close if he didn't. This is a pretty good drive by the Cats here. Yeah. Like, even if they don't come away with points, I think this is a uh, – I, I would think watching this game, it's like, oh, you know what? They flip field position. Like, they're up – because they're up by by two touchdowns. They're up by, what, the 18-6? So they're up by 12 points here. You're thinking, okay, the outlet's still got to score two touchdowns. They've done nothing all day. You're thinking, okay, you even if you punt here, you get to midfield and punt. You flip field position. You've eaten up a ton – because you got to remember, the Alouettes now are – have the wind at their backs. Ticats yeah. are eating up a ton of clock here. Like we're yeah. almost halfway through the third quarter. And I think the Owls have had the ball once. This is a hell of a drive by the Ticats here. They've mixed in the run in the past. Well, McManus is slinging it. I, I would imagine I'm sitting in the stands, like hoping for a touchdown, obviously, because you know, I'm 16 and stupid and they think they should score a touchdown on every play. Oh, he didn't get it, but they go third and one. Ooh, did he get there? I think he did. Another third, another third. Well, they're not pissed off on the sideline, so I'm guessing they did. But another third and one that was a running back, uh, handoff to the running back, that not a QB sneak. Ooh, that was um, Did you see that? Yeah, that was, that was disgusting. <laughs> that was disgusting. But anyway, what I was saying is uh, I would think that I'd be sitting in the stands right now thinking like, okay, they're putting a good drive together. They're taking away a lot of the clock. We're up by two scores. The Alouettes, even if we punt the ball here, they're probably going to get pinned deep. They're going to have to make a drive here. Like, I'm probably still feeling pretty good about the outcome of this game right now. And they did get the first yep. down. Down. A drive that started uh, within their five-yard line, and now they're on. Uh, didn't it start at their one? Yeah. They, I think it started I, at their one-yard line. Yeah. So, tremendous job for them just to get out of that situation and to get into Alouette's territory where they can score points. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you went to this game, 17 first down. Like, this is domination right now. It is. Just the score doesn't show it, really. Well, that was a good play by the defense there. Uh, so was it just you and your dad that went to this game? Yes. Uh, my mom used to come uh, to pretty much every game. I'm not sure why she wasn't at this one, but, yeah, just my my father and I. So you mentioned that you lived about two and a half hours away from Hamilton. How many games did you were you able to get to a year on average? One or two? Uh, well, my dad had season tickets. Uh, oh, that's a that's a pretty big investment for someone who lives that far away. Yep, he was pretty hardcore, so you get to quite a few actually. Not everyone, but quite a few. Oh, they went back to the screen pass, and the Alouette snuffed it out this time. Work this time. Swift Burton on the tackle. Yeah, and as I said, like my my parents didn't have a ton of money when I was growing up, so we didn't get to go to a lot of games. Uh, Labor Day, I would usually get to go to, um, especially in the lean years when that's like there's ten thousand people here and you could sit wherever you wanted almost. Like I think people forget that. Like we talk about attendance figures nowadays, and there were some lean years. Like you look at the you look at the franchises now and you go, it's the Tie Cats and the Riders that are the two. Are they punting? They are going to punt. Well, uh, you know what? The wind must be strong because they're punting from like the 37 here. Yep, that must be it. But they flip field position, unless Ozzy shanks this. And no, I no. jinxed it. <laughs> um, still inside the 20-yard line, so, I mean, it could have been yeah, a lot. 16, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. But when, you, when you're kicking the ball from the 38 and you only get it to the 16... I mean, at that point, you might as well just have gone for it, to be quite honest. But yeah. I, I, I understand. Again, like I said, I would have been in the stands thinking, Alouettes haven't done anything on offense. I'm not really concerned about them doing much here. Yeah, we, we can, we've taken a ton of time off the clock. They now got to drive 95 <laughs> yards to get yep. a touchdown. This, you still feel like this game is well in hand. Yeah, you're still feeling comfortable, especially the way that the Alouettes have been playing offensively. Um, maybe this is where they get something cooking. It's got to happen sometime soon. Um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, I didn't get to go to a ton of games as a kid. I do remember listening a lot on the radio. Um, my dad also worked nights, so it's not like when I was growing up, it's not like he oh, could take me to games because he had. Yeah. He had <laughs> my dad was a shift. It was so it was nights, and then it'd be days and nights and days. So it was all over the place. Yeah, kind of sucks. Like, you know, your dads do what they have to do to provide for their family, but it kind of sucks when you're a kid and it's like dad's not around when you're playing yeah. sports or you want to mm-hmm. go to a game or something. But, I mean, my dad yeah. took me to a ton of wrestling events when I was really, really little. Um, and then when I got into football, he would take me every now and then. And, you know, it, in the years since when when I've been able to, uh, you know, work and have and have my own money, I've gone to as many games. as I Obviously, I've been a season ticket holder with the Cats now for well over a decade. So it's not as if I've... I've made up for all those those lost times, but the big games like this I was able to attend, so it's it's uh I can't I can't complain too much. No, definitely not. A lot of dudes with mustaches in this game. The ball guys there got a mustache. Yeah. Referee's got a mustache. I, knew that I, don't remember, I don't remember mustaches being a big deal in the mid, late nineties. That's what I was just gonna say. I remember in the eighties, of course, with uh, Tom Selleck and uh Yeah. You know, all that stuff, they were kind of the rage. But yeah, in the 90s, I don't remember them being... I, I remember them being kind of, you know, lame in the 90s if you had a mustache. Yeah. People thought you were a pervert. Yeah, yeah. Or a cop or something. <laughs> or a cop. Yeah, that's true. Or both. Yeah, or both. Yeah. 
man, Jock Climby seems to be uh, Tracy Ham's go-to guy in this one. Yeah, big game for Jock. He was a he was a really good really good receiver in his day. Yeah, he. I think uh, I think because he never gets to a Grey Cup, because mm-hmm. he was maybe never the guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think he gets kind of lost to history and is a little bit under. I think he, I think he he maintains some semblance of uh of a presence because he spent all that time on on TSN but now that he's off the panel I think that there's there's a little bit of uh he's a little bit forgotten sometimes I think yeah absolutely and then what do you think of him on the panel do you miss him at all or uh, I mean he's okay like nothing special I mean he's better than what we have now yeah true true that I mean him like, and Schultz uh, back in the day give me I mean, give me I, I give me Dave Randorf hosting with uh, Dunnigan Schultz and, and climby mm-hmm. like I, it wasn't great. And I think we hated it at the time, but if we knew what we were getting ourselves into with the modern panel, I would take it every all day, every day. I agree. Climby oh, again. Wow. Hey, he's so pissed at Hamilton. Cause like he had such a good game, <laughs> such an effort. And just to have the, the results that he had was unfortunate for him. Alouette's offensive line doing a really good job in this one of keeping the Ticats at bay. Haven't really heard Joe Montford's name a lot. He made the big stop on Pringle earlier, but not getting a lot of uh, opportunities to hit Tracy Ham. And hit Tracy Ham was tough because he was a mobile quarterback. I think you, you mentioned that uh, a Absolutely. while ago. But uh, I got to give the Owls credit. This has uh, been some good line play. They haven't done much in the rush game. Oh, of course. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that had to be Hitch. That had to be Hitch. Oh, yeah. yeah of course. One of the only guys that could stand up, Mike Pringle, that stop him in his tracks. Oh, that's right. Rob Hitchcock's dad was the PA announcer. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, why are they showing the booth? That's right, because his dad used to be a radio guy in Hamilton. And then for a few years, he was the PA announcer. And, uh, oh, Riggs coming in. Wow. There. It's been stuffing Pringle this game. Yeah, like I think they showed a little earlier he had like ten carries for forty four yards. Like that's not good for him. That's well he they showed his numbers to start the game. He averages like one thirty five in the playoffs and he rushed for over two thousand yards this year. Yeah. Nothing happened in here. You gotta imagine that going into this game he was, you know, the guy that they focused on the most. So obviously sure. the game plan has been working. For sure. So I got to ask, back in the day, you probably played Madden quite a bit, right? Correct, yep. Did you ever create back the Ticats in Madden? I didn't, but I was just going to say, 98 was probably the first Madden on the N64 that I had, and I played the, the, the shit out of that. Okay, because I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I, I would create as best I could the Hamilton Tiger Cats in, in the game, and because the rosters were large, were like the NFL rosters are bigger than the CFL rosters. I'd have to put like me and my friends in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'd have my friends. There you go. Mike Pringle, 50 rush yards in the first three quarters. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at the Hamilton though. 82 yards and a touchdown. Running yeah. the ball. Good for them. I mean, the Ticats are dominating this game right now. Like if, yeah. if you were watching this game live, but Oh, do you see the, see in the corner there, the, the end zone. Yeah. Oh, just, I saw. I, I don't. Re- I don't recall that being there. No, me neither. A Lost. toss sweep. What? What is this? 1986. Ooh, I like that play. I don't know why they don't do that more often. Throw it to the outside and let the running back do his thing. 
you know, running. It just seems like in so many games, so many CFL games, it's just stuffed at like one yard or in the backfield, you know, going up the middle. But if you get you your think, offensive lineman running around like that and plowing people, and you know, it might work. Do you think it's too much coaching it in a be. modern game? It could be. You know, it, uh, it's a little bit of a, some people say we don't have enough coaches because of this coaching salary cap. And some people say, oh, it's overcoached. So it, it's a big question mark. But it's funny because we're watching this game. It's 18 to 6. But I'm interested. Almost- Almost requ- That's what I was just going to say. Like, this has not been a bad football game. Nope, not at all. The, the like, teams are moving the ball down the field. The offenses are working. They're just not scoring a ton of points. Like, if we if we were talking about an 18-6 game in the modern CFL, you'd be on social media and everyone would be calling it dog shit. Mm-hmm. But I think this has been a highly entertaining game because I don't think it's been bad offenses. I think it's been really good defenses. Yep. Oh. Oh, that's another. Oh, he hung on to that one. Took that's a shot better. too. Oh boy. I think that's. Bear, I think Bear Miles. I think I was. I think Bear Miles thirty-one. I wonder what he ends up with at the end of this game, Darren Flutie, because you know, a hundred yards before the half, he hasn't had a ton of catches in the second half, but there's one. Lost his shoe. Reminiscent of his brother. Yes. I'm going to see if I can find Flutie's stats for this game. That That's a little tough to come by sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're trying to find playoff stats for CFL players from 25 years ago. Be damn not, not entirely easy. There might be like a slam sports article or something. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to find. The way back. Like, sh- I literally just typed in Doug Flutie 99, 1998 East final to see if anything pops up. And what <laughs> first thing that pops up is the game we're watching. Mm. Yeah. Uh, everything, everything's. Uh, well, that didn't work that time. It did not. Everything is related to. Uh, hey, that's a penalty. What are you doing? You? Did he get one? I don't think so. The crowd seems to be re- reacting to it, though. They're letting them play. Yeah. They're letting them play. Like it should be in the in the playoffs, I think. Although that was a little bit over the line. That was a little bit over the yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that. That was a little bit over the top. Nah, this is this is this is hard to come by here looking for his stats. Yeah. Look at that. There Thomas. we go. <gasps> oh! fumble this might be the turning point could be 47 seconds left in the third quarter oh that was that could have been a big play too Mm -hmm. so one thing i did find out is darren flutie is still currently the record holder for playoff receptions at 185 still holds that record oh he had 11 touchdowns in 14 playoff games which okay. is absurd. Yep. But yeah, finding his uh. That was a heads up play by Tom. You're up there to get to the yeah, ball. Yeah, knock it out of bounds. I do. You, would you prefer that form of recovering a fumble, or do you prefer having Nerf. to actually maintain possession? 
Uh, I like I like the Canadian version. I think it's just kind of cool how they can just smack it out of bounds and. Last one to touch you gets it. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah. So it's an interesting wrinkle to the to the rule book, that's much different from the American version. Oh, Chris Armstrong just out of his reach is there. Yeah, and in doing research for this, I looked. At, he had a massive game in the East semi. Uh, I think they actually mentioned it in the pregame show too, that he was kind of Ham's go-to guy that Toronto was going to force Tracy Ham to beat him. That would be roughing the passer into 2023. No doubt about it. Pringle gets hit hard again. Oh, that was Calvin Tiggle. Did he pick up the first down though? I think he might've. He did. No gloves on Pringle. I, I, I don't recall him being a no glove guy. Do you? Oh, me neither. No. Yeah, just, um, I think. Lost my train of thought. What was I saying before? Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember either, man. Maybe don't. Oh, Chris Armstrong. Yeah. So oh, yes. I, I was, uh, in doing research for this, I was, I was watching some stuff and, and the Argos were like, we're going to make Ham beat us with his arm. And Chris Armstrong had like two touchdowns or something and just had this really big game. And I don't think he has a catch yet in this one. I think it's been all jock. Yeah, third and two. Third and two. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, an option play here. Oh, that oh, was fumble. Uh, no one gets on it though. Yeah, that's the first time. Interesting call there. Uh huh. That could have been disastrous. It could have been ugly for the Alouettes. Yeah, yeah it looks like it might be the last scoreboard in the background there. Yes, the no the, big, the, no uh, screen. The light bright. It's funny to think what what old uh football games were like you didn't get replays on the big screen i remember being so hyped when bob young bought the team mm. and they brought jumbotron or like a, a natural yeah. screen yeah it felt uh it felt like a big deal mm-hmm. that's the last play of the third well, wow here we go one quarter to go yep this has been fun man like this has really been fun i've really enjoyed this actually I really hope that people that we get a good reaction from this because mm-hmm. I'm having an absolute blast yep. watching this old game. And there are, I, because I went down the rabbit hole after we decided to do this, there are a number of other classic tie cat games available on YouTube for us to watch. So if this gets a good response, I think this might have to be something that we do. Maybe this becomes a once a month sort of yep. special. Um, I don't want to do it every week sitting down and, yep. and carving out, two and a half to three hours of my time every weekend is not like, it's easy to do today. We're doing it on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon for me, Sunday morning for Mike in Edmonton. Uh, there's no CFL game today. The, uh, there was two games. There's a game on Friday, game on Saturday. Today's the day off. Um, so it's, it's a little easier to carve out some, some time today to do this. Uh, most CFL weeks there, there won't be that Sunday off. You know what I mean? But, uh, it, there's a lot of uh, the 98, 99 Grey Cup is on there. I saw um, the last game at Ivor Win, which I think would be a lot of fun to cover. Uh, yep. There was there was some other the uh, the 04 uh, Labor Day Classic is there. There's a yep. lot of there's a lot of if you if you know where to look, you can find a lot of classic games on YouTube from people that have uploaded them because I think the CFL just doesn't care that people have uploaded them. No, and I think it might have something to do with like the older games. Maybe they would care if it was like a modern day game, but yeah, twenty five years and it's on CBC. Like, come on, 
who cares? Yeah, but even like the last game that I ever win was over 10 years ago and it was on TSN, but it's like they it's don't so- have that anywhere. It's not like they're losing out monetarily on that or anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. You know what I used to do also with CFL players in video games is I would play uh, I'd play the NCAA games and I would put in a bunch of CFL players as like incoming recruits. Like I would make the rosters. I would go online. I would find the legit. This was before you could do file sharing. I would find the legit rosters for every school and manually put them in. It would take weeks. And then mm. I would start my my uh, I guess it's not called franchise mode. Dynasty mode, I think, is what it was called. The NCAA games. And like my incoming class of like the top quality, like freshman incoming, it would be all the CFL guys, like all the big name CFL guys from across the league. So I remember one year I played as Notre Dame and I recruited Ricky Ray as my quarterback. And uh, for some reason he was really good at running the option. And it's like Ricky Ray was not a a fast guy, but I guess with the way he developed in the game, he became a, (laughs) he became a bit of a scrambler. But yeah, yeah. I guess we're doing all that. And it was, I just... It, because there was no CFL game, right? So it was a way to like get to play with CFL guys. And those, yeah. to me, for me, I thought the NCAA games were much more fun than Madden. I loved Madden, but those NCAA games, because there's so many different schools and you could play with, like you could be a, a low rung team and just sling it around and have fun with it. I just really like those NCAA football games. I'm so glad it's coming back in a, in a couple of years. I never played them. Uh, oh, I, really? Oh, you yeah. missed out. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard they were really good. So um, Speaking of missing out, there's an incomplete pass there from Tracy Ham. Not really capitalizing on that fumble. Nope. I do remember uh, Ricky Ray was in Madden at one point. Yes. And I, I would play playing, with. Playing for the Jets. Yep. He's like a like a 61 overall. He was so terrible. He was a third string. I remember that as well. Yeah. I always used to uh, get a kick when I'd see uh, CFL guys in the Madden games when I would buy them. Mm-hmm. I'd automatically make them my starting core because when you yeah. play Madden for the first time, like, do you play on pro? Do you play on all pro? Like, I never played on all Madden. Oh, third and one here for the Owls. What are we doing? Go on the option again. Oh, you got it. Yep. Yeah, you got that one pretty easily. Um, yeah, I would play on, uh, you know, because you're trying to get a feel for the game. But I do like a fantasy draft. And I would always like I when Doug Flutie was in the game, I'd always draft Doug Flutie to be my quarterback. Uh, same with like Ricky Ray. If there was a CFL guy in there, I'd scour the rosters. and I'd make sure I drafted them on my team. Yeah, you had some options back in the day. You had Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia eventually made a Ricky Ray. Um I, I think, think Casey Printers might have been in one. Oh, yeah, that was a possibility. He was in the Chiefs training camp after his success in the CFL a couple of years. Yeah, and I think he was there for a couple of years. Oh. Bounds? Is this one actually out of bounds? or? There's Mark Washington right there. There he is, the subpar defensive coordinator. Uh, they're, they're clearly saying uh, incomplete pass. Well, I don't know. It looked like he got his toes down there. They looked pretty close to me. I mean, we got robbed on the Andrew Grigg catch earlier, but I think the Owls might have got a hose for a touchdown here. Let's nice see. throw by Ham, too. Nice catch. Oh, that's tough on that angle. I don't know, bro. Those toes look yeah. like they're in. Yeah. Rest right there, though. See a different angle? The Montreal players are pissed on the bench, I'll tell you that. Oh, Man, like a no second. Uh, touchdown no to me. Second. Crowd's getting loud. Oh, serious scrambles. Oh. Okay, I remember that. I remember yeah. the all interception. That's, that's, I think that's Lamar McGregs. Damn, that's close. What a play by Pringle. Oh, not Pringle, Ham, sorry. I was going to say Pringle. Give him credit when he... Yeah, Lamar McGregs there. There's the old, the old backstop at Ivor Wynn with the grass. 
uh-huh. outside of the end zone. So back in the day when I uh, first got season tickets, I would, uh, me and my friends would congregate behind the end zone there for about an hour before the game, just talking ball and, and smoking doobies. Not <laughs> smoking doobies. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, we, oh, went right through his fingers. Yeah. That could have been a second pick of the game. But yeah, we'd sit there, we'd watch the opposing team warm up, and we just we just talk football and make yeah. kind of a get, get that extra hour of of tie cats in. It was it was a lot of fun back in the day. You can't really do that at Tim Hortons Field anymore. The end zones aren't aren't mm-hmm. you're not like at field level in the end zones. And they let you back there. One oh, time, Marvin Hage was uh, was injured, and uh, oh. we were standing back there talking. And he came up and had a chat with us and oh nice. Good, now, how good early can you get into the field? Uh, how early can you get into the stadium nowadays at Tim Hortons Field? Hour, hour and a half. I think it's an hour. It might be an hour and a half before the game so starts. I remember it being like two hours. Like a little, yep. it was like you could get in earlier back in the day. Yep. Uh, no, I, I yeah, think it was as well. The stadium here, it's only an hour. So. Yeah, maybe it's uh, the people got to be there for less time. Mm-hmm. Oh, does the does CBC have the uh, modern CFL stats? Zero yes. yards, zero plays. <laughs> Two minutes and 15 seconds was, oh, what a drive. Yeah, that's a good drive. So the fumble was, uh, that's kind of the turning point, I guess. Because yep. now we got, what, five-point game? It's, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, there's Ronnie on the uh, return there. Yeah, returning the ball. Like, well, starting yeah. running back, who, if I'm not mistaken, was kind of banged up in this game. Like, I, I, I seem to recall... Oh, here's another angle of this. Oh, right through his fingertips. Yeah, he's got a. Yeah, they look like he got a piece of it there. Yeah. Situation by uh, the receiver Cody. Oh. Oh, that's. Oh, that's why they're okay. There we go, kicking. That's why I'm. You know what? The cats kind of got a pretty good return off that if they were kicking it 15 yards closer. Yeah, no kidding. There you go, handing the ball off right to Ronald Williams after his return too. No, I think now it now is when I would oh, ten minutes left. We're only up by five. Offense hasn't really done much in the second half. They had the one drive that they ended with a punt, but it's been kind of quiet for the offense so far. I think this is where I might have started getting a little nervous. Yep, I can feel it. I can feel it because you know, leading up to this point in the nineties, it was not a very successful decade for the Tiger Cats. So no. Uh, we had that stink on us still a little bit. Well, we they got went two, two and sixteen the year before. Uh, the they this was their first East final. Oh, come on, Mikey. Yeah, maybe we're seeing why. <laughs> I think we're seeing why he was the whipping boy. Yeah. Damn, that would have been a an important catch there. But uh, we mentioned earlier this was the first time they'd hosted the East final since '89. It's the first time they played in the East final since '93. So. I don't want to five, say that was five years, on years long time, but it might've been there as the quarterback that year. And I think they had a losing record. I think you're right. I think you're right. <clears throat> I remember why when should, you started off. Why, why should months. I say, I think you're right when I can look this damn thing up. Yeah. We're not, we're not actually in 1998. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember a year that in the nineties where they started off really good and then it just fell apart. I think they started off like six and oh or something. Um, I could be mistaken. Oh! Oh, oh, oh! Did you see who number seven was there? 
I didn't. Walters? Oh, Kyle Walters. Okay. That is Kyle Walters, current general manager of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And he's in the final year of his contract. Again, I don't want to talk too much about modern. Oh, there's Jeff Garcia. That Speaking of, what a quarterback matchup that West final was. I mean, what, what a quarterback matchup both of these had. Yep. McManus and Ham and Archer and, and Garcia. Woo, good stuff. Kyle Walter done last year of his contract with the uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There's some talk that he won't return after this season. Hamilton's struggling. Played for the Ty Cats. Ah, I see where you're he going with that. Built a pretty good team in Winnipeg. Why not break? Why not here? Oh, was that Big Joe with the stock? Lost yards there. Good stuff. Okay, so 1993. You said you think the Ty Cats finished under 500. Boy, did they ever! They were the second place team in the East Division at six and twelve. Six and 12. Just atrocious. No, I think we may have lost Mike here. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, he's back. Oh, right back in time for the Hitchcock pick. Hitchcock. If you lose me, just keep talking. I'll come back. Okay. Where's, uh, what's your time code at here? Uh, at uh, 210, 15, Okay, okay, we're okay. We're we're still in. We're still in. We're still in. I didn't Lost stop you for anything. a second there. So uh, I was worried for a second there. We're two hours and ten minutes into this thing, and I was like, no, we're gonna lose because of technology. You made the crack that we're not 1998, and then your internet goes out, Is which would be right? very 1998. Hitch with oh, what a pick! Oh, wow. Yes, he's the man. Oh, the um, so yeah, 1993 Tie Cats six and twelve, Mike. Yep, they started off six and zero. Oh. I don't know if they started off six and zero. Oh. I'll look that up. Oh, big run by Ronnie. Oh no! Uh, okay. Oh, I don't think they touched it. No, we're good. I don't think they touched it. Um, but no, they finished. They they were second in the East at six and twelve. The Ottawa Rough Riders. I almost said Ottawa Red Blacks. Ottawa Rough Riders finished four and fourteen. And both those teams made the playoffs. The Ticats beat the Rough Riders in the East Semi 21-10 and lost by – the Winnipeg Blue Bombers finished 14-4 that year, and the Ticats lost by one in the East Final to them. Wow, we were two points away from the Ticats making the Grey Cup at 6-12. and 12. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, you got to be thankful for the – crossover rule because you just can't be having teams i know that like 7-11 has happened recently but you know what though six at and six 12. and 12 ticat still would have made the playoffs with the crossover because they finished second oh uh, that's true with the Man. crossover they would have <laughs> oh so here's an interesting thing about the cfl in 1993 because there were nine teams four teams in the west made the playoffs Interesting. Okay. No team in the West got a buy. Huh. Yeah. So the team that missed the playoffs from the West was the Sacramento Gold Miners at six and twelve. So they wouldn't have crossed over anyway. Oh, that was almost a pick. So it's it's not uh, it's not as bad. But anyway, the Ticats Ticats started three and zero in '93, and then proceeded to lose six straight following that. Yeah. They would they would win their first three, beat Sacramento, Ottawa, and Toronto, and then not win again until Labor Day. They beat the Argos at Toronto 
on July 22nd and then wouldn't win another game until September 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they dropped off pretty quick there. They did. They did. They did indeed. This might be one where Ozzy misses. Uh, I think he does too. Short. If he missed this one. He, yeah, he missed it. Miss. Another rouge. That's a co- that that could have been a costly miss because that mm-hmm. puts them up by six. A make there would have put them up by eight, eight. which would which could have made them look at the sweater there. Who is that? In, in game interviews, what are they doing? <laughs> suitor, suitor. It's because of suitor. Oh God. Who is that guy though? Oh boy. I'm not sure who that is. Mm. Some things change. Some things stay the same. Indeed. In-game interviews. I don't recall there being any. Then again, I watched this game. Another stop in the run again. Stop in the run again. Swarm tackle. This is uh, what you need, though, after after not getting that field goal. Yep. You, you, need, a, you need a big stop here. Man, I wouldn't hate you, that camera right in your face after like a big miss like that. I just think, get yeah. the hell out of here. Is knowing how this game ends, does this feel like this is rigged? You know what I mean? Like, like this yeah. is this it's it's staged. You know, like he misses the two relatively short ones, and we mm-hmm. know, spoiler alert, he's gonna nail a fifty-four yarder to win the game. Come on, like this is this is a this is this is not this is make believe. It must be because yeah, it's, it's just like the perfect scenario. He misses the short ones. He he puts the seed of doubt into the crowd uh, before that last kick, and of course we know how it ends. So and this like, might be W. He kicks it with <laughs> no time left from that deep after he's missed mm-hmm. a couple thirty yarders. Like that's this is this is fake. Sports ain't real. No, it's all rigged. Third and two, going for it again. Uh, oh, there you oh. go. There he goes. Oh. Took him. Run. Took him till five minutes left in the fourth quarter to finally have a big run. They did a hell of a job keeping him in check today. Yep, absolutely. And now the and now the sun starts coming out. It's been yeah. gloomy overcast <laughs> right. all day, and all of a sudden, it's like as soon as he look. The, the, the sun, cha- as soon as he breaks that tackle, it's like the sun peeked out through the clouds. It's like God was raining down going, the Alouettes are destined to win. And since we know God doesn't exist, we know that that's not what happens. And the devil rose up and that's <laughs> one. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Look at all the ads oh, on the field, too. Mm-hmm. Chris Armstrong not having a good game after that Big E semi. Oh, that wasn't a good pass, though, I must say. No, no, no. That a was a low, for sure. Uh, Oh, goes right through his arms though. He still, he should have had that. Yeah, he should have had it. They've done a damn good job of holding uh, Monfort at bay as well, though. I yeah, they say. really have. He's made. He, you know what though? He's made a couple nice plays in the run game. I'll say that. But passing, not mm-hmm. hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot. Getting down to the nitty gritty within five minutes here of the last quarter. Yeah, six point game. Been on pins and needles. Oh, yeah, a big one. Looks like he's calling for pass interference. Dave Ritchie also not Dave wearing Ritchie. a headset. 
Yep. What are your thoughts on Dave Ritchie? Underrated, overrated, properly rated? What do you think? Well, he's properly. I remember him as the Winnipeg coach, right? Did he ever win? Was he ever the coach of a Grey Cup winning team? Yeah, recall. yeah. He he uh he coached the uh, the Lions when they beat Baltimore. That's right. So maybe he is a little bit underrated. I mean, a, a guy that brought in the BC Lions team, uh, huge underdogs against the Baltimore Stallions in '94. Uh, you know, brought them to victory. So maybe he is a little bit underrated. I think he, I think he's, I don't think he's massive. That's got to be no yards. Yeah, for sure. I don't think he's massively underrated, but I do think he's, he's, because you mentioned like the great Wally Buono and Don Matthews. I don't think he's in that category, but I I would say he's in the the tier below, right? Like I, I, I think he's, I think he's a damn good coach that doesn't get the due because there was a lot of like playoff and, and championship game failures with him. Like he did win the cup with, with the Lions. I don't know. I don't think he won another one as a head coach, at least. Um, but there's definitely. I, I, I just don't I don't think he's as he's as well well thought of as he should be, because I think he did. Like you mentioned, the. Uh, it's really BC, good teams in the early yeah, 90s. Yeah, getting that B.C. team. Oh, he's a three-time Grey Cup champion. But how many as a head coach? Yeah, probably a couple there as an assistant, I'm thinking. Yeah, so he was the defensive line coach and special teams coach in Winnipeg in 1990 when he won. And he was the defensive coordinator in BC when they won in 2006. So his only win as a head coach was with the Lions in 94. But he's a, he well, won 101 games. He's a sonic wins, right? Yeah, he's the seventh all-time winningest coach in CFL history. Won 108 games. So, but you, but he, he kind of had a nomadic career as a head coach. So when he gets to the CFL, he starts as the D-line coach in Winnipeg. Then he becomes the defensive back coach in Winnipeg. Then he becomes the Rough Riders uh, defensive coordinator in, in '92. Then he goes for three years in BC as the head coach. And then they win the Grey Cup there, obviously. Then he's the head coach of Montreal from in 97 to 98. So this is his last game as the head coach of Montreal. Oh, big drop by did What could Flutie, ca- Flutie uh, catches that. First down, we keep moving the ball. Keep That's the uh, ball, Keep the clock going. Uh, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic drop from Darren Flutie. For sure, because that was right on the money, too. Like, that's not, that, yep. not a bad throw. Stumbles no, a bit, but a little bit, but still he's got separation. Hit. That hits him right. Yeah, not yeah. Darren should have caught that one. So then, yeah, mm-hmm. then so yeah, after the BC win, head coach in Montreal until the after, this is his last game. Then he becomes the head coach in Winnipeg, and they lose in the Grey Cup in in 2001 when they were heavily favored, and then that was it for him. So I think I think it's the 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 failures of him as a head coach that. Uh, define him more than that championship there, which, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. Cause I think he was, a uh, pretty, and, and I think like, especially when he became the head coach in Winnipeg, it was kind of like, Oh, you're, this is his third stint as a head coach. It's a retread. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Kyle Walters again with a big special team sack. What, he was a great special teams player, yeah. but I'm and guessing that's that what monster, it was. You know, was he's a, a re- retread head coach, right? Yeah. That was a monster punt from Ozzy too. Mm-hmm. He's had some good punts in this game, even the ones that uh, kind of rolled out there. Getting down to the nitty-gritty, though, man. Yep. Looks like a full – It looks. I know it wasn't sold out, but it looks like it's a fully packed stadium right there. Yeah, pretty – Pretty. I, w- I would say – I think it's over 27,000 there. 
it could it could i think it could hold 30 i think it was just over 30 at full capacity with no standing room so three minute warning bud we're almost at the end here look at that oh there we go oh Oh. there we go we got our first sack of the game mike philbrick there he goes so believe it or not mike philbrick in uh 1998 had four sacks before this game on the season all four came in one game against Montreal Alouettes. Oh, I think we might have lost Mike again. Hopefully we'll keep this going and he can pop back in. It would be a damn shame if we lost him right at the end here. I have to do some uh, finagling to make sure this stays uh, live to tape. There's Tracy Ham with a scramble. Offer catches him from behind. Don't think that'll be enough for the first down, though. Nope. Referee just signaled for third down. Two minutes left. Ticat's still up by six. Oh, Monfort's slow getting up. Yes. All right, we're back. Oh, buddy. you came. We got you back. Right, we're we got still you rolling. back. We're still, we're still rolling. Third and six. Okay, so your hands back to pass. All right, so we didn't lose you there. No. Oh. He's oh. scrambling. Oh man, what a oh, scramble! I think he got it there. Yeah, that was huge. What's your, what, what, what's your time code, just so we know we're on the same page here? Two twenty-two thirty. Thirty-one. 30. Thirty-two. Okay, so we're, we're one second different. I'm a second ahead of you. That's not a big deal. Won't worry about no. that. Oh, holding Hamilton. Wow. Oh, so wouldn't have mattered. Wouldn't have so mattered. scramble wouldn't have made a difference anyway. It would have been first down Alouettes regardless. Still damn impressive, uh, especially. It was, it, was a, know, it was a good scramble. Well, it was a good scramble for sure. They they don't get that first down. If there's no holding call, uh, it's probably game over. Yeah. Not seeing a ton of holding here. A little bit of a tug there, I guess. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's the flag. I'm not seeing a ton there. That's a tough one. You want to? Uh, yeah, that's uh, questionable. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're at midfield here. Oh, pressure oh, now, again. Now they're starting to get after Ham. Oh, is that oh, Philbrick big... again? Oh, this huge. man has. That, that's so if he had one, he had the one earlier, it, that's six sacks on the year for him. All of them came against the Alouettes. That's uh, they must've been oh. sick of seeing him after this one. No kidding. That's what happens a lot of time in big games, right? You, you know, you have Joe Monfort on that line, but uh, the guy that gets the sacks, Mike Philbrick. Yeah. It's not always about the numbers with some guys, you know what I mean? Like, and don't get me wrong. I think Monfort had 21 sacks this year. There was a, was it the year after that he has the, or was it the year before that he had the 25, uh, 26? 99, I believe. Yeah. When he doesn't win most outstanding defensive player. How, I want, you know who won it that year? Calvin Tiggle. Okay. So how does that happen? Like he must have had a <laughs> year. Like that is, that is an excellent, yeah. 26 sacks in 1999. Listen to this run for, 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 from 98 
to 2001. 21, 26, 20, 19. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could, you know, if you put that up against the greats, four-year stretch, uh, I don't think anyone can touch that. Yeah, I'm going to look up Calvin Tiggle's numbers here and see what he did in 99. Calvin Tiggle in 1999. He had two interceptions. He had one sack. He had 108 tackles. I'm pretty sure he won in 99. I'm going to make sure, just because I've, I've said it a few times. I don't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah, CFL's Most Sustained Defensive Player Award, 1999. Uh, For a, uh, that's a ho-hum. That's a fine season. 108 tackles, two picks. It's not, one sack. not 26 and a half. That's 26 like, sacks. Geez, if a guy got 26 sacks today, he might be MOP. Forget Most Sustained Defensive Player. He might be Most Sustaining Player. Oh, incomplete pass there. Okay, Steinhauer in on that one. Yeah. Oh, Climbies. Climbies all the pissed God. off. <laughs> Clearly thought he was held or interfered with in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, again, maybe it's rose-colored glasses, Mike, but I have found this to be more entertaining to watch than most games that I've seen in the last five years. i got to be honest. I'm not I'm not trying to crap on the modern product at all, but this just feels it's the flow seems to be better. The the pace at which the game is going, the I don't know. Absolutely. I, just, I think this game There's just might be about... Oh, here he goes. This is what, third and twenty six? There's no way they picked this up. What's what's the deal here? Something happens. Yes, something you know what it is? Look at the clock. The clock didn't run on the play. Oh. And then they started running it after the play. I Oh, my God. I remember this like it was yesterday. Wow. Okay. So they, well, they roll oh. the clock back, and this play only ends up taking two seconds off the clock. And now looking, because this is 106, it's gonna, it, the play started at 124. It's going to go back huh. to 122. And now that we think about this, given how much time the Ticats needed to get into field goal range, a little bit of a, and again, you know what, though? I think that they get into field goal range with about 10 seconds left, so I don't know if this necessarily would have made a difference, but it definitely changes things up a little bit. Because that was third down, so it's Ticat's ball. So if this is like, if this is, you know, a minute 18, minute 15 left, maybe they they attack this upcoming drive a little differently than they would have with a minute 22. Like, again, maybe it's me grasping at straws trying to make this more interesting than it is, but it's definitely... Like, how did that... That play took way more than two seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, wow. I didn't realize it was this. So, Hamilton has the ball. Obviously, Montreal gets the ball. And then Hamilton gets the ball again in minute 22. That's wild, man. That's the CFL, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, they're clearly talking about the time here. Doesn't Dave Yule just look like an asshole? I don't like (laughs) Son of a gun. This must be a two and out then. Or or it's a turnover of some sort, right? Mm. 
But I don't right. remember there being – I don't remember the Ticats turning the ball over in this one. No, see, I thought that it was that drive where they scored, Montreal. Oh, yeah, that. Well, I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. And the ball off of stuff in the backfield there. Yeah, okay. Now they're going to call timeout. Okay. See Alfred Payton, they're calling for timeout, so that makes sense. Now, with it being second and long, they have to throw. This is probably an incomplete pass. Or if it's completed, it's short of the sticks. And then Montreal, uh, I'm nervous all over again. All right. So as you can tell, so is Ronnie. Yeah. Pacing up and down. He was an emotional guy. Sidelines. He was. He was. He's in. He to me, I don't know if I. Maybe he's not in the Buono Matthews because he didn't win as many championships. But he's mm-hmm. in. He's he's got to be top five, right? Yeah. Uh, in my mind, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it made me, even if not all time, then at least in your lifetime. Yes. Uh, you won two great cups as a head coach, if I'm correct. Um, you know, he came into Hamilton and turned around a two and 16 team. So he's doing something right. Bootleg. Bootleg. There goes Danny. Oh no, it's not there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's tough. It looked like he had an opening there and then uh, closed down pretty quick. I mean, for a man of normal speed, yes, there was an opening there for a man who runs like he's walking in molasses. No, not a chance. Yes. But here's, here's the important part of that drive that took nine seconds off the clock. Yeah, not very good. That's why the Alouettes have a chance here to uh, to take to take the lead here, maybe even win the game in, in short order. Need a good punt from Ozzy here. Yep. Oh, one fourteen took eight seconds off the clock. They added a second back. Jeez. And 30. the clock clock yeah. snafus here at the end of the game. Not not entirely great. Not a bad punt from Ozzy. No. You're sitting in the stands right now, Mike. You're 13 years old. Your dad's next to you, probably a couple beers in. You probably had a few Cokes yourself, eating a couple hot dogs. You're thinking, Montreal's not driving 90 yards to take the to take a lead here, right? No, no, especially the way that the offense have been, has been performing tonight for the Montreal Alouettes. It's, uh, they and had the one drive. They had one play. drive all game that was any good. Yep, and the way that the defense has been putting the pressure on Tracy Ham and st- stuffing the run with Mike Pringle. Now, obviously, there's a minute and seven seconds left. They're pro- going to be handing the ball off a ton, but the way that you know our DBs are, um, yeah, I'm probably thinking they're going to shut it down here. Looks like they're playing a little bit of a prevent. See, for oh man, especially after that first play. Six seconds yep. off the clock. They might have lost a yard, maybe gained a yard, but that was nothing. Goes out of bounds to stop the clock, which I don't love. You want the clock to keep moving, of course. But you're thinking, okay, first down, they get nothing. They got the wind in, the wind's in their face. Yeah, I want to say Climby gets involved somehow in this last drive. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. You know what, though? I think there's a Chris Armstrong catch in here somewhere, too. Mm. That would make sense. Second and nine. You got hand back there. You're thinking, oh, just drop. way too much. Oh, Michael Souls for the first down. But they're playing that. You know, it's it's something we've heard. You you know, only playing prevent defense does is prevent you from winning. And they're playing. It looks like they're dropping nine and rushing three only. And it's like, you've had success doing what you're doing. Why stop doing that in the last minute of the game? You know. Get the fact that you don't want to get beat over the top, but but you're right. You just got to keep being aggressive. I hate seeing this prevent stuff. I mean, you see it so often in football, especially these days. Okay, first and 10. 
Oh, he's going deep now. Oh, there's a Ooh, big that's catch. A big play. That's a big oh, play. Oh, Tyree Davis. Okay. Oh, boy. Now I'm starting to sweat, Josh, I think. Yeah, there's some nervous looks on that sideline. Ticat's going to Ticat here. That's what it feels like. Again, for 59 minutes of this game, the Alouettes have done jack. And then all of a sudden, Tracy Ham. I mean, he's, he's, he's a legend and a Hall of Famer for a reason. But they're just giving him so much time. Oh! Who cut across that? Good Lord, that could have been a pick. Could have ended the game right there. Of course, Pringle could have caught it and taken it up the field, too. I think Dave Ritchie had his, like, heart. Oh, too many men. Oh, that's an ugly penalty. Wouldn't have mattered anyway. Surprised Dave Ritchie didn't, you know, drop after the end of this game because I think he had his heart issues in Winnipeg leading up. I think he had open-heart surgery uh, before this, and just the ending of this game must have been tough on his stress levels. If I recall, I, for some reason in my mind, I do have it in my head of a replay showing Dave Ritchie like falling down to his knees. Yep, absolutely. That happened. Oh, I mean, Chris Armstrong. Chris there it is. There it is. Yep, you're right. Chris Armstrong, big catch. I thought it was climbing too, but then I was like, I feel like Chris Armstrong had a, had a play in this game. Yep. I didn't realize it was uh, this late. Because uh, I too, with you, I thought, I thought that that last Alouette's drive was the one that they came down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, now, I wonder if Climby catches a touchdown pass. Catch a touchdown? Oh, maybe. Spoiler, the next. Yeah. And you could hear a Cody. pin drop. Oh, it was yep. Mac Cody. That place was as silent as I think I've ever heard Iverwind Stadium in my entire life. Yep. Uh, with the amount of people in there, just for it to, to go quiet like that, it was, you know, everyone thought. Because here's. Much over. Here's the setup. The extra point, because back then the extra points were from the eight yard line, so it's automatic. You've watched your your kicker miss two field goals already. There's what 25 seconds left in the game. 22 seconds. It's not a lot of time. You're thinking there's there's no chance. Like mm-hmm. even if we get into field goal range, it's going to be a 50 something yarder, and yep. Ozzy's not going to make that. No, and and you got to remember, Ozzy was later in his career. He was near the end, yep. so yep. maybe he didn't have that leg strength that he had when he was a younger younger chap. Yeah, like I think he was on. I think he came in in '86. I believe he was on the '86 Cup team. So mm-hmm. we're we're 13 seasons into his career. He's he's no spring chicken. Nope. So you're thinking like we we sat through this. It was all good just a minute ago, and. There they are showing them on the sidelines like it was ordained to be. Right. And you're just, you're, you're hoping and praying. Like I remember from this point, I think from that last Alouette's drive forward, I don't think I sat down until I got home or until I got in the car to go on my way home. I think this entire stadium is standing up for the rest of this. But the thing is, is you got Joe Cool here, Danny McManus. Like, if there's any guy who's got ice in his veins, that because we'd seen him do it before, we saw him do it in BC where they had the drive in the '94 West Final, where mm-hmm. he just goes and goes and goes, and they win the game on the last play of the game. You got this guy here, Darren Flutie, where you're like, you got big game players. So you're thinking, and they go for the short <laughs> kick here, which was oh, look at that could have been disaster. 
And then picks it up and gets a, some pretty good yardage. And that's just understand. it. Why did they not try to kick it as deep as possible? It's crazy to me. But that being said, against the, I, they were against the wind, right? That's true. That's true. The wind wasn't blowing in their face. But Ronnie Lancaster trying to calm things down. Like, I can feel my heart racing. And I know how this ends. <laughs> Twenty seconds to go in the game, and you you just you you're just hoping that they can get twenty yards, hoping, praying for thirty. Where are we at here? So yeah, we started off at the forty-three yard line. That's pretty yeah. good. Even then, though, I was doubting. Okay, there's that pass that I remember. Yep. Yeah. Now we're like getting real close to field goal. Because even here, because here they're at the what the fifty-one. So even here, you're like he's not kicking a fifty-eight yard field goal. Yeah. No, even with the wind. Even with the wind, it's not happening. This is a questionable call right here. Yeah, they don't throw it. They run it. They don't get much more. All right, you know what? We have to do it. We're going to lay out here. We're going to listen to Mark Lee make this call on what's going on here. He wants to send in the kicking team right now. Yes, and Osbaldison's coming into the game. The ball is on the 47-yard line of the Alouettes, and Osbaldison will set up his tee on the 54. Now, here's what Montreal will do. They're going to send in Terry Baker, put three in the end zone, including John Climey, Terry Baker, and Ben Cahoon. Now, if Osbaldison misses this field goal, they'll try and kick it back out. 54 yards. He hit one like this in the warm-ups. Here's Osbaldison. Lots of leg. It's good. I just got chills, Mike. Me too. Me too. Oh. Let's just listen to the crowd. Poor Ozzy on the bottom of that pile. Is Mark Washington all dejected? Ozzy's hurt. <laughs> oh, God. Look how angry Jock Climby is. Yeah, he took it over into his, his booth days. The last play of the game. A 54-yard field goal from Paul Asbaldison. And the Tiger Cats are going to the Grey Cup. Asbaldison may be hurt. Just a wow pandemonium. So, what yep. was your how, what do you remember what happened as soon as you saw the kick go through? Like, what you did, like you just said, pandemonium. Everyone was jumping around. I've never been in a crowd that was so overjoyed and just so loud. And then I remember the Aussie chants, and it was just such a such a great moment. I just remember high fiving and hugging essentially every single person that was within arm's reach of me, strangers, people I'd never met. Just, it was jubilation. I, I don't think I've ever been in a crowd because this wasn't like I, I was in the crowd in the 2013 East Final when the Ticats won that. And it was fun, but it was, uh, oh, here's Danny Mac. Let's listen to what Danny Mac has to say. It's an unbelievable game. It's uh, too bad a team has to lose. Uh, both of these teams came out here and played hard for a full 60 minutes. 
uh, you know, for this for this organization, these people in these stands, this is a great win for us. It seemed like you had the momentum for most of the game. You scored 18 points in the first quarter. How did the wind affect uh, this game today? Uh, a little bit. Tracy and I both had problems throwing against the wind. Uh, but when you give uh, Tracy and Mike a short field like we, we were doing in the second half, they're going to put points on the board. And, hey, they deserve to be there as well, but unfortunately one team can go. Now, how do you feel about going to the Great Cup? Back to Winnipeg, <laughs> your old stomping grounds, Danny. Oh, I think it'll be fun. It's, uh, the even year thing is keep going on, so I'm going to keep doing that as much as I can. Well, congratulations, Danny, and we'll see you there. Back to Steve. I really like that Eastern Division champs out. Oh, here's Ozzy. Oh, yeah, we got to listen to Ozzy. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I... I can't believe we even gave up the opportunity that we had to come back and do that. And then, uh, I don't know who the hell made the catch, but it was a fantastic effort by Danny to get into range. Uh, you know, we even, guys have packed away the tees and everything. We had to scramble even find a tee to get it, get it on the field. You said to us before the game that you wanted that opportunity, that you were looking forward to kicking the game-winning field goal. Uh, I, you know, I felt, thank God I did today, because I wasn't real good otherwise. and. Uh, Sure, nice to leave, uh, you know, with a win, obviously, but on a note where the special teams can make the difference, felt really good. Well, congratulations. Good luck on Winnipeg. Thanks. Mark, shades of 92. Oh, man. Yeah, it just definitely oh, feels like. Tears, man. I, almost, I almost shed a tear with that. Uh, I had to, you know, like you said, the um, chills going through me. And I, I almost shed a tear when that field goal went through and the crowd goes crazy. Yeah, just before, as I was saying, like, just high-fiving and hugging everyone around me. I just remember not wanting to leave the stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to. Like, this this was, this was at the, at that moment. There, Yeah, there's the, there's the Dave Ritchie fall. At that moment, I think without question, the height of my Ticats fandom. Yep. I don't know if we've, um, oh, okay, 99 the next year, but, um. Yeah, it's, it's still near the top. I mean, winning that Great Cup in 99 was huge, but just to be in the stadium for that moment, I think it it's the top of the list for me. Oh, we got Hitch here. Let's listen to Hitch. All week long, we've been waiting for this moment. Ozzy visualized it uh, all week long. He said, I just can't wait. I hope I get a chance to make the last kick. And, oh, my God, it came true. So we're just the happiest. We're ecstatic right now. We're ready to go. Quick thought on going to Winnipeg. All I got to say is here we come, and look out who's ever playing us. 22 to 20, the final score here at Iverwin. It's the Ticats who head to Winnipeg to take on whoever. They didn't win the game, but uh, it was a it was a hell of a Grey Cup game. I do remember. It was indeed. It was it was a very good game. I think that one ended on a last play field goal too, wasn't? Didn't Mark McLaughlin kick the win? Ticats take the Ticats got Alouettes there. And uh, yep. that is the end of the of the video. So we are out there, but we're. Uh, kind of basking in the glory here of of like i said i think to this point night the, the cup win in 99 was obviously the best but i think to this point being at the stadium for it um the years of i mean it was only five years since they'd last been in in the east final but the year before where they were just absolutely atrocious the um like i I would try to compare it to the 2014 East final that was here in Hamilton, but the year before they got to the cups, it wasn't, it's not like you're getting that like years of burden off your back. You know what I mean? It just felt for Ozzy to have that poor of a game. And then to do that, it just felt really, it just felt really good. You know what I mean? Like it just, it felt, it was, it was the best feeling I think I had ever had as a Ticat fan up to that point. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, you know, the, <clears throat> we had the 1989 Great Cup game. We were both pretty young at that point. I mean, I was only four years old. So we can't, I don't know. If we, I don't know your memories, if you have any memories of that game. Um, of 89? Obviously, they lost the 89 80, game. 89, I remember, 89 I, remember, I remember watching. I definitely watched it with my family in my grandparents' basement. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember the Tony Champion catch. I don't remember a lot about it. Like I would, I had just gotten into. Like I, I don't, I don't think I watched. I'm actually, I'm, I, I will say with certainty, I didn't see '86. I was alive. I like, I was four years old in '86. I didn't see it. I didn't get into football until a couple of years later. Uh, so I definitely watched '89. I remember them losing, but I remember, I even remember as a kid going like, that was one of the best football games I ever saw. And then thinking mm-hmm. because you're a kid and like. At the same time, you got to remember, I was also in the NFL and I'm a 49ers fan and they had just won a couple of Super Bowls. Like they were in the midst of a, of a run there. And then Notre Dame, which was my college team, had just won the national championship. I think in between 88 and 89, the Irish won the title, the Niners won two and the Ticats got to one. So I'm thinking, oh, this is what it's like to be a sports fan. Your team just goes to the championship every year. So I remember even in the loss, like thinking, oh, well, it's not a big deal because we'll just go win it next year. And then it didn't happen. And it didn't happen for a decade until they finally won. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember. A t- I remember watching 89, but I also remember not being as bummed out because it's like, oh, it's it's fine. We'll just win next year because that's what the teams that I cheer for do. Not realizing that I was setting myself up for three decades of heartbreak, essentially, <laughs> by being a yeah. Ticats fan. But, no, this was definitely, I guess for you, you're a little younger, so you're 13 at the time. Definitely the the moment that. Cause there's always that thing that like, I, I'm sure you were a fan already. Like you, you would, you know, they're stamped on your heart, but this really kind of just solidifies. It's like, no matter what doldrums this team goes through and believe us and you guys out there listening, know they took us through some dark times in the not too distant future from this game, that imprint that it left on your, on your brain, on your, everything you felt, there was just, it, it it no matter it what, there's nothing this team could do that would take that away. I was always going to be rooting for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a, a payoff to all the the misery that led up to that point in the in the 1990s. You mentioned the 93 getting to these final, but I'm pretty sure they had a brutal record and it just wasn't a great season over. Making it to the uh, Great Cup this year, uh, 1998, they had an actual. Good record. We knew yeah. leading up into the play that they had a chance, and uh, they made it. They did indeed. What a moment in Ticats history. Thank you for everyone that's that's listened to this, that's followed along today. It was a long one. We hope it was worth it. We hope you got something out of it. We do kind of plan on doing more of these going forward, but we're going to see what the reception is to this. If this is well-received, we will definitely make this uh, an occurrence, like I said earlier, I think maybe once a month would be pretty good because asking people to carve out about three hours of their time to listen to a podcast is a bit much, but we do appreciate everyone that will listen to this. Um, any final thoughts on this before we, uh, before we end this recording and, and go on with our day? Well, yeah, like you mentioned during the game, you know, it was a really entertaining game to watch, even though it wasn't 54 to 40, it just, it flowed well. Offense has played well. The defense has played well. It was just overall just a great time. And uh, I really enjoyed talking to you for these, you know, three hours or so. So, um, you know, like you mentioned, there's a lot of more shows we can watch. Uh, maybe we'll do it once a month because you don't want to burn through all the content real quick, too. Not to mention the fact that it's like three hours long. So uh, just to put a bow on this, I had a great time. 
yeah, this was a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it again. Let us know what you thought about this watch along. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you like? What didn't you like? We're always up for some constructive criticism. But uh, for com- 25 years in the past, the, I guess the, the, this could be our uh, secret origin story of Podski Wee Wee because we started the show in 2015, but the origins of the show go back way further. And this is basically like what we would have done had the internet existed and Mike and I had been friends in 98. We would have sat down and discussed this game. Maybe not like this, but we would have definitely discussed it. So for the 1998 version of Podski Wee Wee, for this watch along, I've been Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat him raw. Eat him raw.